0: I can't believe we're doing this. (laughs) All right, listen, we're going to go over today science or PSYOP, discovery or distraction. What is going on with the hearings about UAPs? And the reason why we're doing this, because this was not at the top of my list. However, we took it to our audience in our community chat and asked them. Should we do an episode on this? Should we discuss what has been going on? What are the allegations? What, what is the potential cover-up taking place here? Plus, I, I, I got to admit, I, I watched I watched some of the hearings, and I will tell you this. One of the things that surprised me most about all of this had nothing to do with either the allegations in the hearing, nor did it have anything to do with the potential idea that this is just a distraction from other events that are going on. Congress, I heard one congressman in particular actually invoke a particular rule, which just, just could be revolutionary with respect to the way that Congress interacts with the executive branch. We're going to be talking about all of that and more on this episode, which for the first time ever
1: is being powered
0: by Good Ranchers.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. You have the opportunity to help us drive the direction of this show. You can go to the link in the description and join our community chat. We'd love to get your ideas for new episodes, and we look forward to Thursday, next week, being episodes that you help us decide. Anyway, we hope you'll join us there, and let's get right into the episode.
0: All right, as always, I am your host, Nick Freitas, member of the Virginia House of Delegates, but other than that, a reasonably good person. I will be playing the role of the skeptic today. With us as always, my beautiful bride, Tina, Queen of the Bees.
2: Yes, and I'm here to uh, stir the pot. Yeah,
0: that's so pretty much her usual role. And the fury roll.
2: flames between <laughs> the two opposing sides.
0: And with us our resident historian, political prognosticator, and ambassador to the little green men.
3: (laughs) You know, I also can't
0: believe we're doing this,
3: but I'm saying it with a smile on (laughs) my face. You've
0: brought it up so many times. I think he advocates so within our within our community chat. It might have been a little unfair because we we threw it out there as, hey, is this something, this is going on, it's getting a lot of attention, it's getting a lot of news, but for a variety of different reasons, would you like us to address it? And and I think this is something that Christian has been doing his own psyop for in the community chat for a while because it, it came back. Fairly overwhelming that that we should do an episode on this, and then of course we have our producer of producers, the good Hamilton, the one that doesn't like central banking. That's
1: correct. This is going to be an interesting episode.
0: So I, I think uh, C- Christian and I are are uh, we'll just say we're we're each a little bit more firmly in our respective camps than I think uh, Tina and Hamilton are. So maybe uh, maybe we'll use this Oxford style debate and we'll figure out whether or not we where, where we can all, no thelocution, we'll
3: knockout, drag out <laughs> fight.
0: We'll straight up octagon <laughs> this thing. Um, all right. Hey, listen, before we get started, I do want to say that we are very, very proud to have good ranchers as a sponsor right now, just to give you guys a, a very brief background on this. Um, we, we've actually had quite a few people come to us and ask us to, uh, sponsor different products and things like that. And our rule has kind of always been that, look, we don't, we don't sponsor anything unless we, we've actually used it. Um, no freedom water here, no freedom water, right? Like we, we like it. And one of the things that really impressed us about Ben Spell is he actually flew out to Virginia, drove all the way down to Culpeper. We did a podcast with him. And the title of the podcast was our conservative businesses ripping us off because we do think that there are a lot of businesses out there that kind of do this whole thing where it's like, Oh, buy your freedom water. And they, they seem to think that you should buy products with them, not because they're really good, but because they're patriotic. And listen, I love it when a company is patriotic. But if you're going to go up there and say that you're providing a good or a service and you're going to say you're patriotic, then I expect you to be really, really good at it. And one of the things that we noticed when we we ordered up some good ranchers – Dude, I am picky when it comes to steak, and I tried to find something I didn't like about yeah. it, and lo and behold, I, I couldn't, which was a, a very good indication, not to mention the fact that I like the way that Ben and his family have uh, started off their business. Their whole, their whole story is really interesting, and they've done a really good job, and I think at a time when I know walking into the grocery store during COVID and not being able to find any meat, much less steak— uh, was certainly problematic, and that that sent me down a rabbit hole of learning more about how meat is processed, raised, and everything else within the United States, and I think Ben is on to something. He has a quality product, um, plus they love America, and so that is why we have agreed and are proud to actually make them a a partner on this story. We'll, we'll have a little bit more on how you can be able to order some stuff and get a little, get a little money off, maybe a little free shipping. Yep. Um, so, all right, Christian, uh, you you are the brainchild uh, behind this episode. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to hold the probe jokes to a minimum <laughs> as we go through this, but but go go ahead lead, lead us off.
3: Oh, boy. Okay, so so the aliens are real? No, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. Um, we're not, we're not oh, going to start. going I'm
2: sorry. Hold, hold on one sec. I have something
3: here. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh no. Oh, my gosh. Oh yeah. I didn't think that she – hang on. We'll put it on. We'll, we'll put it on. There we go. Hang on. What did what, what's, what's, what the way that Alex Jones do it? You know the gift that I'm talking about, right, where he's like
0: – Wearing it, yes. Well, that's a screenshot forever now. I can't
3: wait to actually see me pop <laughs> yeah. up on screen. I want to see what this looks like. Um No, actually, in all seriousness, I didn't really follow this story at all until like five years ago, which sounds like a long time ago. But when you think about the whole UFO phenomenon, I mean, it's been going on since like the 40s in terms of like public imagination. There there was an article that came out in 2017 about this that we'll get to in this episode that really kind of exposed it for the general public um, in in the modern era for the first time. And that has really kicked off everything that's led to, well, today's podcast. So this has been something that I've only recently been following. And I always just thought, Oh, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's something unexplained. It's probably something the Pentagon has, you know, under wraps and it's probably going to go nowhere. But after that first New York times story stuff built, That was like back in 2017. It was, it was late 2017. I believe it was December, 2017. And, and after that, it just kept building and, and Every couple years, there would be more stuff that came out, and and really, like in 2021, it, it really exploded in the sense that Congress like started latching onto it and mandating that certain reporting happen and and that that the Pentagon set up you know new offices to study this. And like I said, that that's led to today. So what we're we're going to get into all of that in today's episode. But in order to really appreciate. The, the magnitude of what happened last week, we we need to address some of the legitimate criticisms that have been brought up since this all kind of exploded in June with the David Grush allegations. And one of the the big things that I've seen people bring up, not just in our circle, literally and metaphorically, uh, not, not just in our camp, but but also just in the internet in general. And it's, it's this argument that this is distracting from other stuff that's going on. This yeah. is either a distraction or a psyop. And so- I wanted to kick off this episode with looking at, well, if it is a distraction or if it is a PSYOP, what is it distracting us from? Mm-hmm. And I think I compiled three really big stories, many of which we've actually talked about on this show. Yeah, yeah, And we might end up talking about in the future as well, since these are kind of developing things. And they're just worth bringing up and going through. And and I, I'd love to get your guys' take on this. Well, I,
0: I think the first one that you're bringing up, the whole Devin Archer says, Joe Biden often joined calls with son Hunter. I mean, this, this This came out
3: yesterday.
0: Yeah. This, this blows up the whole narrative that, you know, Joe Biden has repeatedly said that he had, you know, nothing to do with his son's business dealings. And all of us thought that was a little bit, you know, um, suspect, but we're, we're now seeing more and more evidence suggesting that it is. And, and I, I would, I would suggest that this isn't just about what Devin Archer is now saying. Um, there is now circumstantial evidence you might call forensic evidence, not in the, not in the DNA style, but like financial forensic evidence. Um, demonstrating that, that payments came from members of Burisma. There's a a, con, a confidential source report from the FBI where the, that guy was saying very specifically, he was, he was talking to like board members of Burisma. And they were talking about why they brought Hunter Biden on. And it's not because they thought he was brilliant. It's not because they thought he was going to help them you know develop new ways to be able to get product to market or, or open up markets. It was all about using his access to Joe Biden to be able to navigate regulatory barriers and, and other things like that. And and so, obviously, I think the biggest thing that is going on right now that is potentially, you know, horrifically damaging to the Biden administration is that more and more evidence is starting to come out, which is highly credible, which which would suggest that Joe Biden knew exactly what his son was doing, was assisting him in the process, and was far more actively involved and financially benefiting from it Um and, and not to mention the fact that they tried to cover their tracks with the way that they were actually distributing funds. So you know, again, the the joke was, and this was this came from a, a confidential um, source report that that it would take everybody ten years to figure out how they had actually distributed money in order to get it, you know, to the Bidens. Um, and and look, I think it's fair to look at that and go, can we think of another time? Just just consider for a second what House Democrats, Adam Schiff, being the pompous guy that he is saying, oh, well, the Republicans just want to impeach. They don't care about evidence. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, is this, is this the same Adam Schiff that decided to impeach President Trump ostensibly based off of a, a, a joke of a report that, that, you know, the Durham report has now come out and said, yeah, the FBI should have never accepted this as sufficient evidence to launch the, the style of investigation that they did because it was essentially financed by the Clinton campaign. Right. You have that. And then it was Vinman, Colonel Venman coming on going, well, you know, I overheard this phone call where President Trump was was talking to the prime minister of of Ukraine. And this just sounds a little bit nothing close to the sort of circumstantial forensic and and, and eyewitness evidence that you have against Joe Biden right now in in a way that was far more than just, okay, you know, Trump said something a certain way and you didn't like it and theoretically could have could have been used in such a way as to suggest that he was saying, if you do this, I'll do that. Joe Biden got on there and bragged about how he told the prime minister of Ukraine at the time, if this guy isn't fired by the time we do our press conference announcing the billion dollars in aid that's coming to Ukraine, you're not getting it. He did that as vice president. Turns out that was the same state prosecutor that was investigating Burisma, right? Oh, turns out that that, there, there was also ten million dollars that ended up in Biden accounts as a result of this. If, if you wanted a quid pro quo, you got a quid, you got a quo. Now you're just trying to figure out, okay, was was there a connection between the two? And far more evidence that they ever had on Donald Trump, and then Adam Schiff has the. But again, you are not seeing that lead in the news as much as you might. If this is so, that's that's one right. Everything that's going that's on with that's this. the first
3: objection, Hamilton. We've got another um, another story on this subject as well. This is from the New York Times. Um, again, just just more damning allegations about
0: about both Bidens, for that matter. Um, keep keep in mind as as Joe as uh, Hunter Biden's business partner was come out and making a public announcement that no, this was going on. It was going on exactly the way it's it's alleged, and Joe Biden knew about it. Twitter and everyone else was banning accounts because the FBI and everything was saying this was a Russian disinformation campaign. They were banning accounts. They were censoring and they were preventing this information from getting to the public. And now that we've got more information coming out, that actually it looks like everything that they were alleging at the very least was credible enough to where you shouldn't deliberately engage in censorship against people saying it. You want to talk about election interference. How about the active engagement of censorship? Again, if if this hearing wasn't going on, would we be hearing more about this? All right, what's the next one? The next one is about Hunter himself.
3: Oh yeah, um, the plea deal. Our, our
0: yeah, good friend
3: Hunter Biden is, and um, he's in even more legal trouble than his father. I mean, he's he's currently facing charges right now in Delaware, um, and it, I mean, they're, they're, it's it's almost like the prosecutors on his side which is hilarious. Like the judge had to block a plea deal because there's the potential for more charges to be filed. And there there's been some allegations that, that, you know, he's being given this like sweetheart deal. Um,
0: Well, and and the the big thing that came out about this is the judge started to ask specific questions about whether or not this would basically give him immunity from further prosecution along other lines. And now it put the prosecution in a very difficult place and you could tell that there was now there was some confusion between the defense and the prosecutor on what exactly he was getting immunity from, and and so you can read that a couple different ways. But ultimately, if the judge hadn't been asking some of those specific questions, you could you could very easily see a situation where not only is Hunter getting a sweetheart deal about buying a drug when he was doing, or excuse me, buying a gun when he was doing cocaine, and, and getting a sweetheart deal with respect to um, you know his deals with the IRS mm-hmm. um, and avoiding taxes. But then it was like, oh, and he can't be prosecuted for other things, which were, were theoretically very unrelated to this. And that would have been really bad. The
3: third one is uh, taking us overseas. And there's two aspects of this. This is um, the, the the war in Ukraine that's going on right now between Russia and Ukraine. Um, first one is, uh, I mean, in some ways directly impacts us. There's been... For for months now, allegations of hundreds of millions, potentially billions of dollars, that has been sent in either cash payments or in the form of aid, non non lethal and lethal, um, that's that's gone missing and unreported, and um, we're now we're now hearing about just a growing growing um, you know fear that that large amounts of money are, are basically being misappropriated in this war, and so the The entire Ukraine debacle that's going on right now is another is is in many ways like the third topic that a lot of people have brought up when it comes to the allegation that the UFO stuff is a distraction from from other stuff that's going on. And there's two sides of that. One side is the fun side. So we've got this article from the Wall Street Journal right now, titled "With Billions Going to Ukraine, Officials Warn of Potential for Fraud and Waste." Um, and then there's something that's that's this has been going on for months. Then there's something that's much more recent that really picked up arguably just over a month ago, like six weeks ago. And this is the counteroffensive that the Ukrainians have tried to launch um, on the uh, left bank of the Dnieper. And we've got another article for that. We've actually got a couple. This is one from the New York Times. Extensive minefields impede Ukraine's counteroffensive, military analysts say. And then we've got one more from the New York Times. After suffering heavy losses, Ukrainians (laughs) pause to rethink strategy. Nick, (laughs) <laughs> on the day that the counteroffensive was launched, this yeah. was like late June. So yeah. this was just over a month ago. I remember I was telling you about this. This was like, I think it was actually after we had recorded a podcast. Um, and you told me some some really interesting things about this yeah. that I, I, I just want you to repeat for the audience. Because in many ways, you nailed what's going on right now.
0: Well, but, So right as they were getting ready to launch the offensive, I was like, this isn't going to go anywhere. And that was at that point. Remember, there was a lot of things going on, and then later on, you had a whole issue with with uh, Wagner, which is kind of like a a quasi mercenary group that works in conjunction with the Russian military. That were they launching a genuine coup? Was this you know, regardless of what it was, Wagner had been one of the one of the most you know um, successful elements of the Russian offensive once it had stalled and gone back to the lines it currently is around Bakhmut and whatnot. And then it was this whole idea that we gave Ukraine massive amounts of like Abrams taints and the Germans were giving them leopards and the rest of NATO was just giving them massive amounts of munitions. And they were getting what what was unique is they were giving them, um, offensive oriented weapons, not just defensive oriented weapons. And so the idea was, is they're going to launch this major counteroffensive at the time that Russia's having a problem with Wagner. They're having a problem with their own, um, internal supply lines, et cetera, et cetera. And and that was the narrative. And I looked at this and I was like, no, this isn't gonna go anywhere. And I remember you said, Well, why do you say that? I'm like, well, because one, the Russians have actually done a really good job creating defense in depth. And what that means is that you don't just have one defensive line, you have multiple defensive lines that you have to cross, which funnels people into kill zones and everything else. Not to mention the fact that the the number one the number one thing necessary in order to launch a a successful offensive is you either have to have overwhelming numbers, which the Ukrainians did not have, or you needed to have air superiority. Which they did not have. And so I'm looking at this going, the reason why, because the, the attitude for people watching this, that, that aren't really familiar with military, you know, tactics and, and limitations and capabilities was, well, but look how far the Ukrainians pushed back the Russians. It's like, no, the, the Russians launched a major offensive trying, it was basically they were trying to do a decapitation strike where it's like, just destroy the Ukrainian military in the field, uh, take Kyiv kill Zelensky or, or, or at least get him to leave the country in such a way to where it's, you know, the whole government is outside. And I remember we said back in, we we did this early on. I said, as long as the Ukrainian military, some aspect of it stays intact and Zelensky doesn't just flee the country, this is going to get really hard for the Russians because they had moved so far so fast. They did not have good internal lines of supply. They had a bunch of pockets of resistance. Urban warfare is a monster. Um, and, and it favors the defense over the offense, like all of these things. I said, not to mention the fact that you're going to get a never ending stream of things like javelins, AT fours, other anti-tank weapons that are, are going to just create a nightmare for the Russians. And they're going to have to move back to defensible lines, which will follow natural lines of terrain. And thing. well, lo and behold, that's what happened. But I think a lot of people saw this as, well, the Russians were supposed to win very quickly. They did it. Then they've been retreating for months. It's like, yeah, they retreated back to lines. They could actually defend. And now what you're going to do is you're going to hand Ukrainians, hey, here's a bunch of equipment that, oh, by the way, you've never trained on. We're going we're gonna to run you through some quick field training on how to use these things. And now you're going to go launch a, a really good offensive against the Russians who are now got good lines of supply and are sitting behind very complex defense in depth. Yeah, That ain't going anywhere unless you've got massive air support or like three to one advantage in numbers. And they Ukraine, don't have either. Ukraine had none of it. And yet the West was pushing them to launch this offensive, and the reason why was because you can't keep pouring billions and billions of dollars into this. That you're, losing, that you're losing track of. Yeah, that you're losing track of at the same time that now you're gonna be like, oh, we're yeah. we're all good to go.
3: And now it's now it's become trench warfare. And and so that's that's the you know the 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 um you know the, the the real big problem that they've got on there. But that's not the last point. There's actually another one that a lot of people have brought up recently in terms of of potential distractions. And this actually came out the day of the hearing. And this is the fact that SBF, Sam Bankman freed the man who, um, you know, oversaw the, the complete debacle over FTX, yeah. the crypto exchange. Um, he's having charges dropped on him or dropped that that were being leveled against him they're They're not being being dropped dropped. and and in fact multiple charges and the most interesting one actually came out the day of the hearing which was the campaign finance charges were dropped
0: oh you mean the ones because he was the second largest donor to the Democratic Party after George Soros he gave a
3: billion dollars to the Democrats in the 2022 campaign cycle
0: oh and I guess the federal government's no longer interested in prosecuting and now they're not interested
3: in this and that came out the day of the hearing so that was another thing that a lot of people have brought up is that hey this guy fell off the radar after he got a Arrested. And now we've got an update a few months later, and it looks like that, you know, they're no longer throwing the book at him. So those are three really important. Uh, points. There was actually um, something briefly in the comments where somebody brought up there was this coup that recently happened in Nigeria and a um, uh, country north of Nigeria, and they're trying to shut off supply of uranium to large parts of Europe. And now there's threat of military intervention from other African countries. So there's other stuff that's been going on that, that aren't just American related that are happening around the world that, that, again, people have brought up as potential distractions. So that's where we are in terms of like the meta news cycle right now. Um, but- so, that,
0: so, yeah, those, those are the three major things. I would agree. Those are the three major things that are, are potential things that are being distracted from as a result of these hearings. And if you want a great distraction, then I would highly encourage you to look at Good Ranchers. And here's why. Because while so many people in the government were trying to distract you from what is going on within the meat industry in the United States, there's been attempts by Congress, there's been issues with the supply chain, Good Ranchers has actually developed a very, very good internal all-American supply chain for the meat that they raise and get to your table. So if you're looking, if you're looking for a, a way to ensure that no matter what happens in the world, you can get steak, because quite frankly, that's very important to me. That's very important to me. I don't, um, look, maybe there's aliens, maybe there's not. Can I get steak? You can this actually is a,
2: get poultry as well.
0: This is an important question to ask. And Good Ranchers not only creates an environment where you can get good quality American beef. And that doesn't mean just slapping American on the title because it was processed here but raised somewhere else. We're talking about poultry, we're talking about seafood, and we're talking specifically about steak that was raised here in the United States processed here in the United States from small American farmers and everybody else. And and it gets directly to you. You can order it online. I would highly encourage you go check out good ranchers. Plus right now you can put in promo code, Nick get $30 off your order and free shipping. I'm just (laughs) telling you there's, there's no better distraction. Than an excellent tomahawk steak
3: from <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> um I, I remember when, when we were, okay I, i'm gonna bring this up because this yeah. is actually like i think kind of funny when when we were talking about how you know we got our first sponsor for the show and and i heard about the details of the deal yeah um that we were given i i was like Oh, I might actually go order some myself. <laughs> you mean the we promo ordered, code, right? We yeah. ordered it before. I, I yeah. wrote a, I wrote a comment in the chat because I was like, I need to remember this timestamp so I can actually go back and use this promo <laughs> I code because we've been paying full price, What the <laughs> heck? <laughs> um, no, that that was that all was, right.
0: So those are, those are the three distraction points. Now we're going to get into the recent allegations. All yes. right, Christian.
3: So here's why. Okay, he, here's here's why I don't think this is a distraction because this has been going on a lot longer than the 24-hour news cycle of the last week. Sure. There's there's two there's two points on that. First off, everything that was just listed here is very recent breaking news. This is a topic though that goes back, well, in some ways goes back almost a century, but in in more recent history goes back to at least 2007 and we're going to get into this in in this episode. But um and, and, and then in a more public sense, since 2017. Yeah. But then there's another reason why this is not a distraction. No, think about all of the links, all of the news stories that I just went through. Every single one of these was covered by a major mainstream media outlet. Mm-hmm. It's not a distraction because they're covering all of these things that they're supposedly distracting from. What do we have here? We have Wall Street Journal, New York Times, CNN, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, New York Times, CNBC, all mainstream center left, in some cases, New York Times far left outlets covering these major news stories that I just went through that everybody says the UFO stuff is distracting from. So I have a really hard time believing that the stuff that Grush came out with and the stuff that's been going on since 2017. Is distracting from any of these other things because all of these other things are being covered by the mainstream media right now.
0: I mean, I think the argument is not that. It, I, I don't think the argument is that okay. The media has just decided they're not going to say anything about these things because there's still there's still public knowledge available. It's the question of to what degree is it garnering attention, you know, comparatively. So if if we weren't having this hearing, uh, hearing on all of a sudden, someone from the United States government, and, let, and let's I don't want I don't want to get into all the claims that he's made yet because I think some of the claims are interesting, like some of the claims I'm very, very skeptical of. All right. But if that wasn't going on, would this be getting more attention from the mainstream media? I think sure, but that's it's a free a market.
3: The, the public is to decide what they want to pay attention to. Well, and okay. I think there's significant public interest in the idea that the Pentagon has quietly Misappropriated funds and secretly held withheld knowledge of certain programs from not just the general public but Congress itself. Okay, and I I think that there's a reason that the public has an interest in this, and that's not a distraction. If anything, the real psyop has come from the fact that for seventy years the federal government actively worked to ridicule discussions on this topic and portray it as nonsense, fantasy, pseudoscience, but before we jump into the the just knockout debate that that you and I are probably going <laughs> to have on this yeah. let's actually talk about what exactly are these allegations distraction or not yeah. there's something that has come out very recently right? right there's this man named um actually you know what we'll we'll, we'll start at the beginning okay. we'll start even before Grush in 2017 December 2017 the New York Times came out with an article titled t um Actually, this is the the link that'll get us to the, um, to the actual news story. Hamilton, if you scroll down, this is my fault. I, okay. I gave you this in order for us to, to seamlessly be able to... There it is. Glowing auras and black money. Um, if you click on this, this is the original New York Times article from December 2017. The reason I sent you this was we wouldn't get paywalled if we went this way. Sure. Because <laughs> um, I'm absolutely not going to give the New York Times a cent of my money. Um, anyway, so... Uh, the, the article's titled, Glowing Auras and Black Money, The Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. I encourage anybody to actually, like, read this if they haven't yet. It's actually a good article, yeah. in part because it was written by people that don't work for the New York Times, but were just <laughs> contractors for just this article. Yeah. So it, there's no, like, bias or anything in this. It, it, it's a really good article. And it, what it exposed was is that there was a, a UFO investigation program that the Pentagon had quietly been funding since 2007. And that program was called ATIP. And um ATIP stands for um uh what is this? Advanced, Advanced aerospace, threat, aerospace threat, identification. threat identification program. It took me a second to remember it. ATIP ran from about 2007 to 2021, 2022. and then it ended up folding into a successor program that we'll get into in a second. But what was interesting was is that in two thousand and seven, UFOs were considered total bunk, pseudoscience, nonsense, realm of fantasy in well, Hollywood. Okay, but can we
0: make a distinction here? It's because UFO has become synonymous with alien spacecraft, right? There's a big difference, but there's a reason why they've switched to UAPs—you know, unidentified aerial phenomena—because they want to destigmatize the phenomenon. Because there there is a difference between saying, "I saw, you know, aircraft of unknown origin." Right, which could mean I don't know what country it came from. We weren't able to effectively identify it. Like that's not a MiG twenty-seven, right? And it was it was engaging in aerial maneuvers, right, or jamming techniques or whatnot that that seem to possess a, a level of technology that we don't currently have or that we're not currently aware of. That is a perfectly reasonable thing for the government and specifically the military to be interested in. If you have if you have one of your fighter that's pilots, my point, though, now. Yeah, if you have one of your fighter pilots saying. I don't know what the heck that just was. Okay. Does anybody know what it is? Right. <laughs> Hands up. Does anybody, Oh yeah, that's part of this program over here. Or, oh yeah, you're flying close to the test site. But when you have a situation where it's like, okay, I don't know what this aircraft represents. Yes. That, that is clearly a, a what we would call an intelligence gap. And again, I, I used to do some work in army special operations and, and army intelligence. And yeah, it's, we'd call it an intelligence gap. And obviously there would be efforts that we would take to try to learn more about that.
3: Yeah. and, but that—that that, that is kind of my point, that this is a legitimate area worth investigating. And for the longest time, really since Project Grudge, um, which I believe was in uh, 48 or 49, um, the, the, the government and, and also really since like the Robertson panel, and I, which I think came out in 53, the, the government has just extensively tried to stigmatize this and portray this as you're crazy if you're interested in this and that the, the, there's no value to be gained from looking at things that are you know happening in the sky that we can't currently explain. And yet at the same time after decades of this we find out in 2017 that the federal government had actually had a fourth generation investigative research into this phenomenon that they didn't tell anybody about. We, we were told Project Blue Book was the end of the story, that, that Project Blue Book was the last example of the Pentagon investigating UFOs or UAPs, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and, and that that was the end of the story. And Blue Book ended in 1969. And then we find out in 2017 that the government had secretly, without been telling, telling people, that they had been funding another program, a successor to Blue Book, to investigate this phenomenon, which raised a lot of questions, we were told by the government this isn't an issue. In fact, we were told there's no such thing as UFOs. They don't even exist. That they're hallucinations, hoaxes, or weather phenomenon or balloons, right? And then we find out that they are investigating this, and then things got really interesting. Well, because- okay,
0: w- real quick on that. Let me just. Uh, there, there's two things okay. that, of interest here, right? So this is I'm gonna I'm gonna go at this and like, okay, Occam's razor. What's the most likely explanation for this? Did the government, especially at a time when we were going, one of the things I think people need to understand is that we went from the Wright brothers, you know, flying something that was you know made out of, of wood and like paper, right? In, in the what what was it nineteen nineteen? I, it was, I can't it was first decade of the nineteen. Yeah, first first decade, very, very early on, right? That's that's where we started, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and and like within seventy years we had spacecraft. So you're, you're talking about, I mean, think about that just for a second. No flying machines for the first 8,000 years of recorded human history. And then the first successful flight that we have, we go from that to spacecraft, right?
2: So are you saying to that the, the, the shuttle US, In one
0: lifetime.
3: The military
2: it- latched on to all of this and started conducting um, tests and various things like that. And then people in rural areas who had never actually seen an airplane and things like that. Um, or, or it was such a rare sighting, you know, that as far as they're concerned, it's propaganda that they they it exist. And then they see something in the sky, and and yeah, s-
3: somebody's been reading my meeting notes, unlike <laughs> Nick over here. You know what Tina's referring to? Maybe I don't I don't know if she actually is, but um, there there was a mass UFO sighting that took place in the 1890s in the U.S. Yeah, uh, about these things that are are known as mystery airships. There's actually newspaper clippings. Um, it was covered heavily in California, but it, it stretched all across the West to the Midwest. Thousands and thousands of sightings of these massive like cigar shaped objects in the sky. This is decade, a decade before yeah. um, before the airplane. And, and everybody thought at the time that, that these objects are an invention of a, a genius inventor who was not yet prepared to reveal his invention. In fact, a lot of people thought it was, it was um, Thomas Edison. And there was so, there was so much um, uh, pu- public uh, you know pressure on Edison that he had to put out a press release sternly denying that these things were his creation. Yeah. And so I, the reason I bring that up is because there's been public sightings of things in the sky that we don't know for well, technically for for two thousand plus sure. years. If you read the writings of like Livy he talks about things like I, I believe in the lead up to the second Punic War he talks about these like ships in the sky um that the Romans interpreted as as an omen, yeah. basically favoring them to to go to war with Carthage. And the, 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 this is when the sacred chickens didn't give us yes, the this answer. And then the sacred chickens, you know, told, told, uh, yeah. uh, um, I think it was Plucher, you know, don't, don't fight at Drapana. And he decided yeah. to pitch him overboard and then <laughs> get wiped out. But yeah. like, um, point is, is that actually that might've been the first Punic war. Correct me on that. I'm not an expert in the Punic wars, but anyway, point is, is that like, there's been claims of things in the sky for thousands of years Sure. and, 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 and in a more documented, more scientific sense for over a century. Okay. And the Pentagon, for a long time since the 50s, has stigmatized looking at these things. And I think that that one thing that frustrates people that are more open to this is the idea that if you're interested in the topic, that makes you a lunatic. Okay, okay,
2: hold on. I want to know, when like, the first people who said they were taken up into aircraft... And got things like anal probes and such. That's oh, a right lot more of recent thing. Here we Where all of this
3: come from? And I'm much more skeptical of that type of are stuff. The, are
2: these government experiments as well? Uh,
3: gosh, probably. 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 Yeah, there's, there's Queen of the Beast. Somebody, right? I, I, Abby <laughs> asked in the comments, "What sacred chickens?"
0: I want to read about
3: it. Oh uh, yeah. When we do a history podcast, I will tell you the story of the sacred we, we, chickens. We will
0: talk about how Romans decided whether or not they were actually going to go. It's into actually battle. a really funny story. Yeah, but no. So but the point the point that I'm making is that the, there can be there can be rational reasons why the government. Would engage in um, you know o- operations to cover up high-tech military equipment that they're testing within areas which you can't always keep from the the sites of people that are then going to report it or, or design stories around it and everything else so I, I'm not someone that says that this isn't interesting I'm not someone that says that we understand or know everything that's going on I don't believe those things but I I also think again I'm, I'm looking for what I think is probably the easiest, um you know again, it's that whole occam's razor right like what what is the easiest explanation of this and and it's not as if the government and, and and you know again i think the government is is completely capable of engaging in reckless and and immoral and unethical behavior um i think sometimes though one of the things that um, you know Winston Churchill said that the truth is so important that sometimes it needs to be gu- it, it, it needs a bodyguard of lies, and he was referring to like operations that were taking place in World War II, like the the amount of elaborate deception operations that took place before D Day, for instance, was was incredible. Um, you know Sun Tzu writes about this, like deception. Me- so you you can see why the government might engage in in a deception campaign in order to hide you know, again, high tech military equipment that they don't necessarily want to get out. Right. That's Definitely. which is
2: why we need uh, <laughs> we each need to be making our tinfoil hats in order to guard our brains from oh all God. of these waves. Actually, you guys. OK, oh, sorry no. to derail us real no, quick. No, 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 no. I want to hear <laughs> it. But, I don't. Um, <laughs> um Have you guys seen all of the the ads for these beanies that <laughs> that block the five G signals and everything. No. What is yeah. that actually a thing? Yeah, who's that guy that you guys you always love Hamilton? That's like the business guy. You or, Mosey. or Mosey, or Mosey. No, it's that or other Patrick one. Patrick Davis. Gary
0: V. Gary V. Oh.
2: They they always talk about how Gary V. wears this um beanie, <laughs> beanie yeah. and it has these fibers in it that block all of these radio waves.
3: (laughs) I got, I got one better. I just, now that's crazy.
2: They protect your brain.
3: (laughs) Not crazy, but that is crazy.
2: Here's the (laughs) thing is I feel like we're being panned. You know what I mean? Like I feel, I feel like they're going, Hey, I have a new spin on this tinfoil hat thing. Uh, They're going to
0: sell beanies with,
2: let's sell these big beanies
3: at $60 a pop.
0: You know, you know how I block 5g. I live in a rural area.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We're having so many people in the comments be like, "I want a tinfoil hat." We'll put that on the on, on hey, the store hey, site if I've, we ever make I've, one. Yeah, I've got a new
0: product idea. <laughs> All right. So what's our so, next?
3: So basically, we talked about the uh, the New York Times story. Yeah. Right. That kicked off a, a bunch of stuff where Congress started to get involved a little bit more, started to mandate some reporting, set up some new organizations. They set up the UAP task force. Um, uh, the, the UAP task force then became Arrow. The um, yeah. Uh, all, all domain anomaly resolution office. Well, there was one guy that worked for the UAP task force um, who helped write the 2023 NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, that required some of these uh, reporting metrics and I believe also set up and funded Aero. This, uh, this guy's name is um, David Grush. Uh, He is an intelligence, well, former intelligence officer um, who also served in the Air Force. Uh, He was a decorated veteran of the Afghan war. um, And he came out in June of this year, so almost exactly two months ago. We've got the original article from the debrief. This was the first thing that came out publicly about him. This article from the debrief says, intelligence officials say U.S. has retrieved craft of non-human origin. And Hamilton, if you scroll down, we're not going to like read through the entire thing, but we're, we're just going to briefly, uh, you know, show the extent of this. There's the picture of David Grush there. Um, If you keep going, Hamilton, this is a very interesting article. I actually encourage everybody, whether you're a skeptic. Real, real quick, so a, we
0: scroll up a little bit.
3: Okay. Do you know just,
0: any of these things? So scroll up a little. There, there, here's one of the things I, I want to, there, there's two things real quick that I want everyone to understand something. There are a couple, there's terminology that people use to give credibility. One is decorated combat veteran. Okay. <clears throat> I, how do I say this without being a jerk? Um, just be, just a jerk be a jerk, now, a jerk now, aren't honey. You. Okay, listen. Lean into it. What are you going to try to discredit him? What, no, what people think when they hear decorated combat veteran is- Purple heart. Medal of honor, right? Silver star, distinguished service cross. Um, like I've got two bronze stars for combat tours. Yeah, you're a decorated combat veteran. Exactly. They're not bronze stars for valor.
3: You're not discrediting yourself right now. Listen,
0: they're they're bronze (laughs) stars for service. Now, that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean that, he could have done a great job, but I don't want get I don't want people to get the impression that if you are decorated combat veteran, that means that sure, sure, you engage
3: that, in some sort of heroics or things like that. That's the that's per- not adding credibility to st- his allegations. Yeah,
0: let though. me. Let, the other thing too is this is another thing that you're going to see come up a lot, and that'll be people like, oh, he has a top secret security clearance. Can I just tell you right now? Like, I've had a top secret security clearance. I've had a TSsCI which stands for Secured Compartmentalized Information. Just because there's this impression, I think, within the general public that if you have a top secret security clearance, you can just, oh, I'm just going to walk down to the military base and hey, everybody, can I tell the top secret files real quick? I'd love to read these. That's not how this works. All right. Secured compartmentalized information is secured and compartmentalized for a reason. If you don't have need to know, you don't get to see it. So... Just understand that sometimes when people throw around these terms as if, oh, or, or sometimes people say this, I had the highest clearance. Like, okay, you had it.
3: By the way, Grush brings this up I'm in the gonna, year.
0: I'm going to actually come around to give Grush a, a – Oh, you know.
3: one more thing. Daffy Duck sent a um, $199 donation and said, hi,
0: Nick, you're not a jerk. <laughs> thank thank you. I, I appreciate Daffy. <laughs> But the, the, the point is, is that I, I want people to understand just because someone has a top secret security clearance or just because people have, that doesn't mean they get access to all information. Having said that, the reason why they're also pointing this out is because he, he did, he served in the military, served in the air force. He left as a major. um, and, and the other thing that, that he did is that he did have access to certain programs that were relevant to the topic he's speaking on. And so that that does add a certain level of credibility to what he's saying but just so you know just because someone says oh i, I had a, oh yeah i'll tell you right now, i had a top secret security clearance like, okay great did you have access to the information that you're talking about right now because i i yeah i had access to certain information at different times that were relevant to my field which was largely counterterrorism unconventional warfare counterinsurgency that doesn't mean i could just like go up to the pentagon and be like how you doing? I'm here to read all the stuff you got about aliens, right? Like that's not how that
3: works. (laughs) That actually brings me to the whistleblower complaint. So this article was the first time that we heard about him in public. But the reason that we heard about him was because he filed a whistleblower complaint with the inspector general of the, I believe of the intelligence community. Yeah, And he claimed that there were elements within the Pentagon that were hiding what he calls a crash retrieval program. Yeah. And the reason that he came to this conclusion was he worked for the UAP task force. He was actually, I believe, the Air Force's liaison to the agency that Congress had set up to investigate this topic. Yeah. And in the course of his, he spent four years working on that. And I um and 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 what the conclusion that he came to was there is, again, a top secret program, but not not, you know, everything that's top secret, there's different compartments within that, right? They call it stovepiping. Yeah. And so he had access to a lot of stuff, but he did not have access to this program that he was told from other people working within the government that existed. He requested access to that program because, again, it was his job to investigate. This was literally his job yeah, to when, investigate and that's
0: this. When you look at it, when it talks about the National Reconnaissance, he worked for NGA, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, worked for National Reconnaissance Office. You know, again, and, and, and he, he worked served on the UAP task force. Yeah, and he served on the UAP. This, this all suggests to me that when he talks about having appropriate clearances in order to look at this information. He, he had the, the right expertise at the right agencies with the right clearance to be able to access this stuff. And I, I think your larger point is this is a whole lot different than somebody saying, I was a fighter pilot fly, fly, flying an F-18 once and I saw something suspicious and now you should believe everything I believe about UAPs.
3: And, and it's a lot different than you know, some anonymous person getting on Reddit and being like, aliens are real. Here's the proof. <laughs> They're covering it all up, man. Like, yeah. like this is a guy that worked within the government Yeah, that his job was to execute Congress's mission to investigate this because Congress finally got interested in this topic after that 2017 news article. He did his job. He found out in the course of his studies. He claims he spoke to over 40 people that he says are firsthand eyewitnesses, um, who have knowledge of this type of stuff. And he concluded there is a crash retrieval program that he was not afforded access to. So he filed a whistleblower complaint arguing that the Pentagon, certain elements were hiding certain programs from not just the UAP task force and eventually Aero, but Congress itself. Yeah. That is a whistleblower complaint that is still ongoing. But when this article came out, that was... That was created a, yeah. some some waves, right? It it, 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 well, it kicked I, off everything that's led to today.
0: And well, I, can I also say that this is, you and I see this point a little bit differently. And it has to do with the inspector general, right? You, you see it as the inspector general actually looked at this whistleblower complaint and, and said that it was urgent and credible. Yeah, urgent and credible. All right, so one could argue based off of, of his access to classified information and the role that he played within this very specific field, that adds the credibility to it. The The urgent has to do with, uh, again, it, it, a variety of reasons. The thing I – now, a lot of people look at them and be like, oh, my gosh, this adds another level of credibility. It could. It could also add a, another level of skepticism um, because <laughs> – I, I'm curious, is, is this just the first time somebody has launched this kind of whistleblower complaint with this sign of access to the data? Because the other thing to remember in mind is David is not, in nothing David talks about is he talking about his personal eyewitness experience. It's from him interviewing over 40 witnesses. And he makes that very clear. He doesn't try to hide that, 40 witnesses. But for an inspector general to suddenly say, right, because as you pointed out, it's not like this is the first time, you know, we can we can at least infer that similar things have happened or similar accusations have happened. But now an inspector general said, not only is this credible, but it's urgent. Congress needs to know about this immediately. Okay. May, again, maybe you have a good inspector general that just looked at this data and said, yeah, I think this is, is relevant. It's and timely. worth noting. But yeah. it could also be.
3: Sure. I know that a lot of people m- might argue like, oh, this is part of the PSYOP. But I, you know, that, that really gets to just, there's so little trust with yeah. any institution yeah. that no matter what happens, you know, I have a feeling, in fact, there's people that actually literally believe this. I have a feeling, hypothetically, an alien could come down from earth, land on the White House lawn, walk <laughs> out of the flying saucer and be like, hi, I'm from, you know, the Alpha Centauri system. And people would say, this is a government psyop." Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. It, yeah. it is the well, equivalent of, of, it, it is the equivalent of there's so little trust within Any institution at the federal government, the federal government could come out tomorrow and say, brushing your teeth at least once a day is good for your teeth and gums. And there would be a segment of the population that would say, I'm never touching toothpaste again in my life. I
2: have no idea why that would be. It's not like the government's (laughs) ever lied to us. I mean, the government (laughs) has always been perfectly transparent. (laughs) They always give us all the facts and data and, and they never use propaganda on our own people. So <laughs> why in the world there was would one anybody be, you know,
3: skeptical, skeptical
2: there of was, or something that's the some between says. being
3: skeptical and and being doggedly hostile to something because it, it it goes against a, a meta-narrative that you've it's created It's because for it comes yourself. from the government. Well, okay, <laughs> yes. but and here's- That here's is what not sufficient <sighs> reason to discredit
0: or disbelieve something. Here's what I will say. So in, in oh gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. All right, so in Christian's defense-
3: Oh, do you need- Need it? Do you need this, honey? No, so we are
1: not
2: going
0: to. He go. is in no. office. If
3: we do that, no. if we do that, the Democrats are going to run ads
0: <laughs> with the- Here's Here's what I'll say. There, there is a, okay, again, having having operated a, a little bit in, in different spaces within um, combat operations, one, there, there's a couple different ways to run psychological operations, right? That's what we mean when we say psyops. Uh, a psychological operation is generally rooted around trying to, to motivate somebody in one way or another, to, to believe something and to act on that belief. If you get to a point where you've, you've destroyed credibility in one area, you can still motivate someone to act off of a particular belief. And that's the, that's what we call the whole reverse psychology, right? I'm going to tell you the opposite of what I know to be true, um, or or, uh, the opposite of what I want you to do, because I know if I tell you to do the thing I want you to do, you won't do it. But if I tell you the opposite, you'll do it. So there, again, we should be we should be wise across the board and understanding on the way the various ways that people can be manipulated.
3: We, we, we do this with children all the time. yeah, right you know children are are you know incentivized to push boundaries, right? And so if you say don't do this, in some ways you're incentivizing them to try to do it. It, 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 it gets into the reverse psychology. So I, I all that I'm saying is the government taking a position on something one way or another, is not at all sufficient reason to believe or disbelieve whatever it is that they're saying, depending on your level of trust within the government. That is not sufficient reason. The other point that's worth bringing up is there are warring factions within the government. There is no consensus on the government. There is no government message that's being broadcast to the people that aliens are real or that this is all a a PSYOP. There's, There's a faction within the government that is pushing for disclosure, whatever that means. Yeah that people like Grush fall in that category. And then there's a faction within the government that is pushing debunking. Mm -hmm. And those two factions are at odds with each other. And they have been at odds with each other since, I mean, arguably since, since project sign in 1948. So that's just worth noting that there, there part of the reason this is so crazy is there is no consensus in either the private sector or within government itself. Um, Daniel Clark says, "Nick and Tina, I respect y'all uh, so much. Y'all have tons of uh, tons of karma with my parents. Love y'all, Christian. You're awesome. Well, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> Hamilton, we need more of you. I say this all the time. He does a very important job in this on this he's, podcast. He's having
1: to manage all the cameras and everything else. But no, I, thank you, Daniel. I, I've got the audio over here. The cameras, switching all the cameras, making sure y'all can see everybody, making sure the stream stay, stays healthy. But I do have a, a few comments on today's episode. <laughs> Jump in whenever you want. All right. Hamilton. So what, so all right. Anyway, so we've so, got through this." This is all linked plan. to the hearing. Hold on. thank you for the donation. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got through this process of establishing that
0: again, as as far as people coming forward to be whistleblowers or whatnot, he he does at least, surface level, appear to have the proper qualifications, the proper experience, the proper access to data, information, and witnesses. And he served on a program that was specifically designed in order to try to get to the bottom of some of these UABs. All right. So that has led to the hearing.
3: I have watched, I watched the entire hearing from beginning to end live. I know that I'm the only one at the table that has like watched the entire thing from beginning to end. Nick has watched a huge chunk of it, I think over half, Uh but- I identified a few clips from the hearing that I want to play and get y'all's reaction and also potentially the audience's reaction as yeah. well. And we'll go through some of the allegations. Some are more controversial than others. And we'll go from there. Once we're done playing the clips, then we could have, we'll spend the rest of the episode actually arguing oh, yeah. our, our points on this. Yeah. I think we're about to get into the really fun what, part of the, the show. What's the timestamp, Christian? Uh, Hamilton, the first clip that I've got is actually the opening statement from Representative Moskowitz, who is a Democrat from Florida um, who worked with Tim Burchett, a Republican from Tennessee, to actually get this hearing established. This is a very bipartisan thing. Which so what's is
0: the timestamp? Something
3: you don't see a lot. This is at the 25-minute, 45-second uh, um, mark.
0: Only only in a government hearing does it take 25 minutes to get to an opening statement.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All
4: right. Witnesses have a unique opportunity to share the perspective. Oh, sorry. This space, is actually Garcia, um, and the other experience- Democrat. This is the
3: ranking okay. member of the committee sorry this just wanted to clarify the
4: american people and i encourage all of my poly- uh, colleagues to engage with these difficult questions with an open mind and to follow the facts on behalf of our country i also just want to say more broadly that we should look at this hearing with and believe that everything is on the table as it relates to uaps i think we, an open mind is absolutely the best i want to yield their the, two and a half oh, never minutes mind. This is he's yielding to my representative sorry. from florida representative moscovich for an opening statement. He also has been um, very much engaged in this issue and I want to thank him uh, for his leadership. Congressman. Uh,
5: Thank you, Ranking Member Garcia. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to thank uh, Tim Burchett and Ana Paulina Luna for their leadership in pushing uh, this hearing forward. I want to thank, uh, obviously, committee staff and their staff working on this on a bipartisan basis uh, because many Americans are deeply interested uh, in this issue and it it shouldn't take the potential of non-human origin to bring us together. Uh, Additionally, I want to thank the witnesses for for coming forward to share your perspectives, your thoughts, and the sightings of UAPs. Unlike other hearings many times in Congress, you're not here to help a political party, but you're here to share information with the American people. And it's not something that is just going on in this administration, it's something that's uh, spanned many administrations. For decades, many Americans have been fascinated by objects mysterious and unexplained, and it's long past time that they got some answers. The American public has a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins, non-human intelligence, and unexplainable phenomena. Those are not the words of a UFO Twitter account. Though that is a direct quote from Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, that the American public has a right to learn about technologies of unknown origins, non-human intelligence, and unexplainable phenomena. Pause. In an interview with Fox News...
0: Is it bad that I actually think it's less credible that it came from Chuck Schumer? (laughs) To be fair, (laughs) Schumer came on board late in the game. Yeah.
3: It it was... uh, What I've noticed is is that Republicans are actually more interested in this topic slightly than Democrats, but there are a chunk of Democrats that are very interested in this. Moskowitz is probably the most prominent Democrat in the House. I think
0: a lot of them are interested for uh, purposes of... So, uh, again... Set aside for a second whatever you think on the whole idea of, again, there's a couple different things that this could be, right? The the one that is the most like out there is the whole alien stuff, right? But it could be that there's technology been developed either on the commercial side or the military side by uh, an adversary that supersedes pretty significantly our, our own technology, which is... Very concerning, right? That that's a defense concern.
3: I'm more concerned about that than the aliens.
0: Yeah, that that's a defense <laughs> concern. The other concern here that is, uh, the, and and you actually see this with AOC. AOC actually asked some really good questions. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. They weren't overtly partisan or whatnot, but what she was asking had to do with um, funding allocation, where money was coming from. So I I, I think that if if you wanted to look, the, if you to the extent that you would want to make this partisan, um. Which I I, I compliment the members of the hearing because I didn't see a lot of that. There was, was, there was
3: I've watched a lot of hearings in my life. This yeah. was the least. But there there was But the, there was seen.
0: the idea that there's it, it if you're if you're on the camp that this has nothing to do with little green man. This has everything to do with again just UAPs. A defense concern is okay. Somebody's got some really good technology out there that that is leaving our own ability to maintain air superiority in question. And as we're seeing in Ukraine right now, I don't care how many tanks you have. I don't care how many drones you have. I don't care if you don't have air superiority, your ability to launch effective uh, operations, your ability to project power, it is severely curtailed. That's a defense concern. Another has to do with the concern with respect to how our funds are being allocated to all of these various things. So either we're creating the aircraft, in which case who authorized this and how much money has been spent and what's been the the RO the return on investment you know the the theoretical fiduciary duty that congress has to the taxpayers it's not like they really care about it and then the other side of this is people that just again, are, are already don't like the Department of Defense, don't like defense contractors, see them as a huge black hole for tax dollars, and this is a, as a mechanism of finding out how money might be misallocated, right? And so you actually saw a very good... And bottom line is, we should be concerned about both of those things. You should be concerned about U.S. being able to maintain air superiority within any sort of conflict that we find ourselves in. You should also be concerned with respect to the, the horrible track record of, of the Department of Defense with respect to, you know... Coming out at the other side of an audit, uh, having done a fairly good job of tracking where all the money is gone. So those those are both valid concerns that came out, I think, in this hearing.
3: Yeah, uh, Hamilton, we've got the the next the, um uh point that I want to bring up in this podcast, and this is when we start getting into the questions, not just the statements. It's yeah. funny how we don't get to questions until an hour into the <laughs> uh I- I- into the hearing. That's the way the Congress yeah. works. <laughs> so by the way, um. Just to give people an idea of of who's here, the gentleman in the center is David Grush. He's the guy that came out with the explosive uh, whistleblower complaint in that article in the debrief. And then the two men to his side are um, former pilots. One is a former commander, um, David Fravor, and the other one is Ryan Graves. Graves runs an organization, a private organization that is trying to collect and categorize um, sightings of UAPs and UFOs from the general public, especially commercial pilots, because currently there is no reporting system for this type of stuff. Um, and Fravor witnessed firsthand the Tic Tac incident in 2004. And, um, both of them had, had actual eyewitness accounts. They had both seen UFOs in the past. Fravor had seen one as well, um, which prompted him to set up this organization. And so they're asked questions as well. Some of the explosive stuff obviously comes from Grush, though. But I just wanted to give people an idea of who's actually at yeah. this hearing. And we found out uh, yesterday, actually, that apparently there were supposed to be six people. We only got three. Burchett claims that three people who whose names have not been revealed to the public yet bowed out at the last second because they were basically intimidated into not showing up. Okay. Um, we don't know anything else about that beyond that, but that's what Congressman Burchett has to say. Right. Um, Hamilton, you want to play the
4: uh, the first big question that we've got up here?
6: Like in our situation, come down from space, hang out for three hours and go back up.
4: Thank you. My last question. And so, and sometimes you, I know that some, you have also said some of these answers in the past. but We're trying to get them on the public record as well, which is really important. Mr. Gresh, finally, do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs?
6: Uh, absolutely based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And and, and where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General and some of which to the Intelligence Committees. I actually had the people with the firsthand knowledge um, provide a protected disclosure to the Inspector General.
4: Thank you. And, Mr. Chairman, I would just say that I think that these questions All are right, important Hamilton. questions, and I look forward So
3: that was just a straight-up question. That um, the ranking member Garcia asked um, Grush in the hearing is the federal government in possession of UAPs. That was one of the few things yeah. that that Grush just straight up answered on the more explosive side of it when he was like, "Yeah," um, and and he he claims that he knows where they're stored. These these supposed crashed craft. Um, he he has not revealed the locations, but he said that he did in the whistleblower complaint. And that he's willing to share that information to the members of Congress in a, in a secure, in a SCIF. Yeah. Um, which is basically a secure compartmentalized, uh, I think it's called secure compartmentalized information facility is what I believe it stands for. But point is, is that basically it's a closed room where you, I think you've actually been in one, right? A skiff. oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I've done, I've done a lot of work in skiffs.
3: So, um, but
0: so you're right. That, that was the first kind of explosive thing where it was, okay, is the government in possession of UAPs? He said, yes, based off of witness testimony. So again, it's not as if David is saying, I saw this thing. It's I interviewed 40 people. And based off of some of those interviews, I would say, yes, what makes that interesting is that what that suggests is that the United States government actually possesses some sort of aerial, um, some sort of aerial platform that is unidentified. So they, we didn't do it. That's the claim. We didn't do it. And we don't know who else did it. That's that's essentially all that means. That's all that means. We didn't do it. We don't know who else did it. That makes it unidentified.
3: All right. So now I've got one more uh, uh, question that I want to bring up. And um, this is a much more explosive allegation, actually very explosive allegation. And I believe this is from Burchett himself. Burchett has taken a very deep interest in this. He's the guy that basically set up this hearing. Um... Hamilton, do you have the timestamp for this? All right, cool.
7: ...system or any of the others? I am not. Okay. Mr. Grush, thank you for being here, brother. Thank you all very much. Um, Have you faced any retaliation or reprisals for any of your testimony or anything on these lines?
6: Yeah. uh, I have to be careful what I say in detail because there is an open uh, whistleblower reprisal investigation on my behalf, and I don't want to compromise that investigation By providing anything that may uh, uh, help provide somebody (laughs) information. But it was very brutal and uh, very unfortunate, some of the tactics they used to um, hurt me both professionally and and
3: personally, to be quite frank. Yeah.
7: It's very unfortunate, as they say, when you're over the target, that's when they do the most. By, okay, by pause right. here Should real quick. Any,
3: we haven't gotten to the, the juicy part yet. He's about to ask. All him. right, go, ahead, go do, ahead. Do
0: you want to react to this though? I, I just want to say that. So the the idea is, is that has he faced reprisals for coming forward with a whistleblower complaint? All right. So th- this goes into a larger question on, because obviously the natural inclination is, well, a whistleblower, you know, shouldn't be subject to, you know, you know, any sort of like personal or professional threats, right? Understood um we don't know exactly what that what all those might have how those all might have manifested but i but i will say this it depends and again i'm not suggesting the whistleblowers should be let me just clarify that whistleblowers should not be subjected to professional or personal threats however if you are disclosing let's say you're disclosing classified information um as part of your whistleblower um issue that you think could become public That that's the part where again people like so for instance Snowden is is a is a really good example of this. There's a big question between like Snowden and uh, oh dude who's the other guy Assange, right? And the question has been should Snowden get a presidential pardon? And a lot of people that I tend to agree with politically love Edward Snowden. It's like absolutely this guy exposed that the United States government was spying on Americans, which was a complete violation of of various you know the, the Bill of Rights you know everything else. And, and I'm very sympathetic to that all the way up to the point where the information that he actually dumped onto the public sphere got a lot of other people killed that had nothing to do with the domestic spying program. And, and I make a distinction between those two things. And so I, I will just say that whenever somebody steps forward to essentially you know, release. Now, he went through the official channels to do it. And that is what I think makes the, the personal and professional threats um, you know, entirely unacceptable. Right? Not that they'd be acceptable otherwise, but I'm just, I'm just trying to make a distinction between someone which just dumps classified information out there in the open without any real regard for how it can affect people conducting operations, which might not be doing anything wrong, and, and the information associated with them just got caught up within the larger data dump that you were doing. It's important to distinguish between those two things, but he did go
7: through the right process.
3: All right, so here comes the very explosive part. Um, Hamilton, you want to play this until we get to the one hour mark, so about, about 40 more seconds
7: personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology
6: yes personally
7: have you heard have anyone been murdered that you would think that you know of or have heard of i guess
6: i have to be careful asking that question i directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities
7: maybe in a um if we could get it get in a um confidential area skiff we could talk about that but unfortunately um we were denied access to the skiff and that's very unfortunate in this in this scenario
3: all right pause what do you think of that
0: oh suggesting that someone was physically harmed in order to intimidate or prevent them or and now the open allegation is potentially murdered in order to put now again the question is what if if that's true, if that statement is true, what are, what are they trying to hide, right? And and the idea would be, are they trying to hide the presence of you know some? Are they or are they trying to hide like, you know, highly classified U.S. technology, right? We we don't know, but either way, we, we generally have a tradition where at least. Regardless of what happens, we don't
3: operate like the Soviets. We, we, we did. generally don't. We're not supposed
0: <laughs> to operate this way. right? We don't. We don't. What, what do you think of that last part? Where where Birchitt
3: brought up that we tried to get you into a skiff with us, yeah. and we were denied the ability to do that.
0: So if if, if nothing else, and I mentioned this uh, on the intro, if nothing else, stick around on this episode when we get into the important things that were brought up that have nothing to do. with with uaps or aliens we're about to get to some of that right so there there was some the the big it was funny christian and i were watching this because he was trying to convince me that we needed to do an episode on this and there was a part that came up and i went whoa i i don't like regardless of anything else that happens in that hearing the fact that that was just referenced shows a a shift that is starting to take place that i would say is probably heavily necessary at this point uh, but doesn't come up often, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute.
3: Hamilton, we've got another clip actually directly about that. It's about the misappropriation of taxpayer funds, and this is... Is that number four? It's number five. Uh, it's it's at the one hour, 13 minute mark and 19 seconds. Okay. I By the way, yesterday, I went through this whole entire hearing at like 2 a.m. to pull these timestamps in order to help us get to <laughs> what I think are the most important pi- uh, parts of this hearing that... That quite frankly, I think our audiences, you know, it should, should should actually take a look at that. I think you know gives them some value here. Yeah, um, this is possibly the most important part of the hearing, okay. as it relates to things outside of the whole U yeah. alien claims. This is crazy what he's about to say here.
6: No, no windows, no seams, no nothing.
5: Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself of non-human origin craft? Yes, I personally interviewed those individuals. Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself about ATs, advanced technologies, that the U.S. government has?
6: Uh, based on uh, conventional uh, advanced tech, I was briefed to uh, the preponderance of the Defense Departments both space and aerospace compartmental programs. Yeah.
5: Do you have knowledge or do you have reason to believe that there are programs in the advanced tech space that are unsanctioned? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. And, and when you say that they're above congressional oversight, what do you mean? A
6: complicated question. Uh, so there's, you know, some I would call it abuse here. So congressional oversight of conventional spe- special access programs. So I'll use Title 10. So DoD as an example, right? So 10 U.S. Code section 119 discusses congressional oversight of SAPS. Discusses uh, the the Sec. Def's ability to waive congressional reporting. However, the Gang of Eight is at least supposed to be notified if a you know waived or waived bigoted, unacknowledged SAP is uh, created, and that's. Public law. Well,
5: so that how does, uh, I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah. how does a program like that get funded?
6: I will give you generalities. I can get very specific in a closed session, uh, but a mis- misappropriation of funds <laughs> and uh, does that mean fund.
5: Does that mean that there is money in the budget that is said to go to a program, but it doesn't, and it goes to something else? Yes, I have specific knowledge of that. Yep. Pause. Do you think U.S.
0: I, I'm sorry. I love the
3: fact... You just straight up answered the question. I love yes. it, yeah.
0: In a, in a, in a world where there's so much political dancing and rhetorical ballet that takes place, to never say anything. But, by the way, if anybody's question, when they say SAP, that's like a special access program, when they say like SECDEF, Secretary of Defense, Deputy SECDEF, when, when he talks about waiving it, what it means is that there's certain programs, there's certain programs that are reach a classification level where it doesn't go through the normal process with respect to congressional oversight. When he talks about the Gang of Eight, that doesn't mean there's no congressional oversight. It means that there are certain people on certain committees that are read on to program Programs. And so what it is is when this Secretary of Defense, which is obviously a member of the executive branch of government, says that, hey, this particular program is not going to go through the particular through the, the traditional congressional oversight, they still have to notify the gang of eight that, hey, there is a program. It exists. We're not going to tell you what it is. And the, the question then becomes a separation of powers issue. And we're going to get to some of the mechanisms they have. I for thought them, it was right? hilarious that he oh, just straight. Yeah. Yep. By this, the way, this part this appropriation of funds,
3: this <laughs> is the most believable part of what he said. Oh I, yeah. I'm utterly convinced that when you look at his like body language and the tone that he used and just how straightforward he wasn't answering that question. I'm utterly convinced you didn't even need to tell me his testimony. First off for me to be inclined to believe it, but yeah. but the way that he said that and just <laughs> Straight up. There were things that he said he couldn't answer, but this he was like uh, misappropriation of funds.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I it's so it's so strange to get a a, a direct answer with an. I think he's like
3: absolutely that. telling the
0: truth there.
5: Yeah.
3: Keep playing this for just a little bit longer, Hamilton. I've got the cutoff date that I um, that I've already given you uh, for this clip because he gets into more detail about some of this stuff.
5: Corporations are over, overcharging for certain tech they're selling to the U.S. government, and that additional money is going to programs correct through something called IRAD. Okay, there Um, you go.
3: All right, so I mean, he he just straight up said, the Pentagon is hiding certain programs from Congress. Oh, and they're ripping off the American taxpayer, misappropriating funds, not reporting where they're spending this money, and certain defense contracting companies, he hinted at at, at them without naming like Lockheed Martin or Boeing or something like that, but it's probably them, right? certain defense contracting uh, companies are also engaged in, in basically fleecing the taxpayer funneling a portion of that money to some of these, these
0: hidden programs that they're not reporting on
3: deep state, Th- that Shadow literal government. deep state moment. Well, literal if you, deep if state. You, and I'll
0: tell I'll tell you this, the, the, the far, which is the regulations, which, which govern a lot of, a lot of like, you know, um, whenever you look at defense contracts, they have to, they have to follow the, the, uh, federal regulations, Um, and it's referred to as the FAR and it's a nightmare to work with because it's ever changing. But, um, but it, but it's also interesting to look at this from the standpoint of, you could look at this as, okay, well, this is just, you know, companies overcharging the government for X, Y, and Z, which, okay, sure. Um, you could also look at whether there's, you know, the, the allegation here is not just that Lockheed Martin decided to overcharge the government so they could, you know, throw funds at a a different program, um, as much as there is a desire for certain programs for an element of plausible deniability. So I can't tell you that I want you to do X, Y, and Z to be on the official record. So how do I get funding to that? Well, I let you charge more than you probably should on on this. And that's, you know, I let you charge more than you probably should on this program with the understanding that it's going to be spent over here. And the moment it's not spit over here, you know, I can, you can always be audited over here. So yeah. this
2: sounds a lot like uh some of the behavior of Hunter Biden um basically saying to the um IRS that he um was part of some kind of a I, I don't know some kind of a business deal business meeting hey, he's saying, a painter don't you know when when in, <laughs> you know, so ten thousand dollars for some kind of a, a business meeting when in reality it was his membership to a sex club I mean that that kind of sounds a lot like what the the government does.
3: I, like I said, I, some some of the stuff that was brought up in this hearing makes makes me convinced that, no, th- this is worth investigating more regardless of what your conclusion is. This is a worthy topic that that I, deserves my attention. I'm not going to tell other people that they must pay attention to this, but I care about this stuff. Okay. So here's the most explosive part of the entire hearing. Nancy Mace asked, I actually asks some of these questions that they're actually pretty good questions. And, yeah. Th- this is like the crescendo of everything. So we're going to play this. And then we have one final set of clips that are going to get us to some really interesting mechanisms through which Congress might actually try to rein in the executive branch on all of this stuff. And and when we get to that, we'll wrap up the the hearing, the hearing portion of it. So Hamilton, you want to go ahead and play it? I've actually never seen anything personally,
6: believe it or not. All
8: right. Um, And then do do you believe there's an active disinformation campaign within our government to deny existence of UAPs? Yes or no?
6: I don't have an answer to that. As previously stated publicly, yes. I think previously with, like, Project Blue Book, yes, but currently I don't speak for the United States government. Okay.
8: Thank you. Um, I have a few questions for Mr. Graves. Um, What percentage of UAP sightings, in your belief, go unreported by our pilots?
1: This is an approximation based off of my personal experience speaking with a number of pilots, but I would estimate we're somewhere near 5% reporting, perhaps.
8: So like 95% basically don't report seeing UAPs. That's just
1: my personal estimate.
8: Um, In the incident off Virginia Beach, do you believe the Navy took the danger to your aircraft seriously after it was reported? Absolutely. Um, A few questions for Mr. Favor. As an expert naval aviator, have you ever seen an object that looked and moved like the Tic Tac UAP? No. Did the Tic Tac UAP move in such a way that defied the laws of physics?
6: The way we understand them, yes.
8: Many dismiss UAP reports as classified weapons testing by our own government, but in your experience as a pilot, does our government typically test Advanced weapon systems right next to multi-million-dollar jets without informing our pilots.
1: No,
6: we have test ranges for that. Pause. Pause.
3: That's the end of the first clip from from Mace. Then we'll get to the second one. Great. All right. What are your we, thoughts on that? I love that she asked that question because yeah, that's no, one was, of the biggest objections to
0: people. Well, and you, you and you and I kind of went back and forth on this. And, and the idea was is that what we have this is not the way that we typically test um, weapon systems or, or aerial platforms. Yeah, you're right. It's not the typical way we do it but is it is it highly illogical that a <clears throat> a government entity uh especially on a on a program that is is kind of off books or we'll just say heavily classified is it completely unreasonable that they would try to do a test in an environment where the people that they are going to be engaging with don't know it's a test the answer is no, that is not illogical. In fact, there's a lot of ways where it actually makes sense. Now, is it potentially reckless? Yes. Is it potentially unethical? Yes. Is the federal government capable of engaging in reckless and unethical behavior? Never. Yes. Never. But but here's here's what I would say. <laughs> let me let me give you let me give you a practical let me put this in the best case scenario. You have developed a system, you've developed a, an aerial platform unlike anything else within the current US arsenal. You're testing its capabilities both with respect to movement, its detection by radar, um, and everything else. You can do that all within a test environment. The problem with a test environment is that everybody engaging in the test environment knows it's a test environment, right? And that affects the way that people conduct operations. It limits the sort of access that you have to various systems, everything, if you wanted, let's just say hypothetically, if you wanted to take an aerial platform that you had designed that was specifically there to maneuver a particular way, maybe interfere with jamming systems, maybe interfere with radar, maybe interfere with weapons systems, and you wanted to determine whether or not it would work in a real-world environment, where would you do it? Well, you would do it around the bases and whatnot where you, where you know typical training routes, typical training is going to take place, right? You would do it in those environments, not only to test against military systems, but also to test against the unknown, which is to say, oh my gosh, we put all this money into trying to defeat certain types of technology. But there turns out there was something on the commercial sector that we we hadn't accounted for yet. It's very, very hard to replicate reality within a testing environment. You can only go so far. So if, if you're pouring, let's just say, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into a, a piece of, of aerial technology that is specifically designed to, again, maybe gather intelligence, um, may, maybe to be able to you know hide from the the, more, the normal systems, it actually makes sense to test it in an environment that you you have some control over. So let's say, for instance, you don't do it when every single aircraft there is fully armed and ready to go, right? You don't test it against U.S. pilots flying in Afghanistan at the height of the war. You don't test it in an environment where they're loaded hot and they're actually authorized under certain conditions to blow you out of the sky. You test it in an environment where you know, just based off of the protocols that are taking place, you, you're not going to shoot something down over Los Angeles. You know, you're know, you not going to shoot it down over U.S. airspace right you you're, you're going to go through well, several you might
3: under certain closed
0: air you might but you're going to go through several different protocols to actually be able to go weapons hot and if they don't cru- and here's the other thing if you know what the rules of engagement are for that environment you can operate within that environment having never passed the rule of engagement that would would authorize lethal force in order to truly test if your system works in more of a real world environment so his statement with that we have test ranges for that yes that's true no, I do not believe that's the only area that the United States government the Department of Defense tests equipment. And as much as you can say, I don't like them doing that, th- there is a very practical reason why they would.
2: And the government does have a history of doing things that the public doesn't know about, well, you but, know, and and putting people even in danger.
0: When, and Bandit says, but VAB, that's Virginia, you know. Um, Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach here, it seems too public. And, and Bannon, I would say that, that is, that's also potentially part of the point here, right? Because if, if you're trying to test systems going down to like Norfolk or th- or that particular area off of Virginia beach, you, you're, we have an entire fleet parked out there, which means you got a lot of different sensors. You've got a lot of different defenses. There's
3: also a lot of public sightings that gets into I, the pushback Nick that I, I have to give to you is I don't believe I am not convinced of, of the idea that these are advanced tech, that the U.S. is just quietly training on its own military forces because that's the better way to, even if it's unethical or dangerous, it's, it's better than informing them ahead of time because it's not just pilots that are seeing this. It's so public. Uh, There was somebody in the comments earlier that was like, you know, we have all these phones now and and nothing concrete has been been caught. No, it doesn't help the argument at all. for, For the government to be showing the general public the capabilities of these things... That is not an argument in favor of you no, at no, all. in no, my only glimpses, we're it, revealing our. If these are our tech, yeah, we are revealing our
0: cards to the entire world. No, you're not. Everyone keeps saying they don't know what all they've got. No, is, they're showing the capabilities. If you, they're it, showing. It, it, they're showing. They're showing a portion of the capabilities. And why would we do that? Well, because the bottom line is you need to make sure how it's going to work in a real world environment. I, I will tell you this uh, much. Uh, it on, is, it is highly, it is highly, it can be highly detrimental to something to suggest we are confident that this particular platform can operate with these capabilities in this particular environment and then go send it into combat and find out, oh, oops, we, it actually can We also can. show
2: our hand fairly often. It's called saber rattling. And we will do it when when there are other countries that start getting a little bit, uh, you know,
3: frisky. Typically, <laughs> yeah. when we saber rattle, we don't go out there and basically explicitly say we don't know what these things are and it's an immediate national security threat. In fact, that actually leads me to the the, the last couple of clips in here right. that, that we're going to get to, and then and then we'll actually continue All right, this let's debate. Do it. Let's do it, um, Hamilton. You, you know where to start. One fifty four fifty three. All right. Cool. Right. Yep. Second part of Nancy Mace's questions.
8: You've stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials?
6: Something I can't discuss in public setting.
8: And was this documentary evidence, Is video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined?
6: The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha.
8: Yeah. Um, okay, so, and, and you may or may not be able to answer my last question, and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but who in the government either, what agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies, organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening and what's out there?
6: I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those.
8: And, and how soon can we get that list?
6: I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing.
8: Super, thank you. And I All right, back.
0: pause. There are two things right there when he when he said, "I have a very specific hostile and and cooperative list," and I can get you right after the hearing because that's usually the question. we like, "Oh yeah, I got a list. Be happy to give it to you." When two years from now, <laughs> like I love how He was like a
3: specific list of cooperative and hostile. hostile. By yeah. the way, after this hearing, um, multiple members of Congress wrote a letter to the Speaker um, demanding that he set up a special committee for investigating UAPs that would have subpoena power. Yeah. So um, it, 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 if Grush is able to supply this list that he, that, that he apparently might have already given Nancy Mace at this point, because this was five days ago when this came out, um, and then they set up this committee, they would have the ability to subpoena those people, the hostile people that yeah. wouldn't actually want to show up and testify.
0: Well, I, I told you doing this episode was a bad idea, Christian, because we've already received our first threat. Marvin the Martian has said, take me to your leader, Nick, or I will disintegrate you. (laughs) Great job, Christian. Now we're all in danger. Put the whole podcast in danger. Also, Joshua
2: Mueller said, non-human biologics equals non-human. Monkey, monkey dog. dog. That's exactly what I said when we were preparing for yeah. this. I'm like, couldn't it be a monkey? Yeah. And Christian's like, Well, they can't fly aircraft. Like, how are they hey, gonna we, train we a monkey dogs to fly and aircraft? Monkeys in and, aircraft I said, before. and I said, Well, that's probably why it crashed, right? <laughs> Speak. But but then I know there's going to be an entire subset of people who are going to look at this and go, non human, piloted by what maybe we think is human. Lizard
3: people. Oh my God. No. <laughs> oh, if, you, if you actually want to get, <laughs> if you actually want to get into, into the theoretical physics for just a second. Yeah. The reason that he said, and I didn't include the clip in here. Yeah. The reason that he says non-human is a, because he doesn't actually know what these things are because he hasn't seen them firsthand. He's only, but he knows they're not human. He, he knows that they're not ours. And he, he, from his investigation is convinced that it's not Chinese or Russian or anything yeah. like that. And so it's something else. But the reason that he says non-human and not alien is because, technically, th- by the way, everything I'm about to say here is is actual fact, even though it's it's crazy. But like you can go look it up; it's it's in physics technically.
0: You had to go quantum mechanics on us.
3: Well, more general relativity, but you can okay. go quantum mechanics as well. Um, this isn't this sounds crazy, but uh, it's actually well established. This is not controversial at all. Space and time are two sides of the same coin. Einstein discovered that when yeah. he created his theory of general relativity. he Everybody thought he was nuts when he came up with it, but he proved that space and time are both emergent properties of some sort of deeper phenomenon. Um, and we now think that that has something to do with quantum mechanics. We just don't know what that bridge is. We haven't been able to connect quantum mechanics and general relativity together into a, a comprehensive theory of quantum gravity. But what's interesting about that is that if space and time are... The same thing, intrinsically, they are the same thing. That is what general relativity tells us. Again, that is very, it is hard for us to comprehend or understand that as humans, but the math is very clear on that, that they are the same thing. What that means is that theoretically, any craft that could travel faster than light would by definition be capable of time travel.
2: And there it is. <laughs> the reason why yeah. Christian loves this topic so
3: no, much. I, mean, I love it because I actually do yeah. like the hard side. Let's take the nonsense stuff about aliens and little green men and time yeah. traveling people out of it. Just 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 to talk about the physics. I am very interested in the physics side of of this. I'm, I'm very interested in quantum mechanics. I know so many people on the internet that talk about it like they're experts. I like to talk about it because I'm interested in it, not because I think I'm an expert. There's so many different interpretations of it. So anybody that goes out there and tells you, well, quantum mechanics, you know, indicates that this must be true. What they're almost certainly doing is pushing a specific interpretation that we don't know if that's true or not because there's like seven or eight different interpretations of quantum mechanics. Like one of them, for example, is the multiverse. That's only one interpretation. Under cubism, that's impossible. There is no multiverse under cubism, but under the many worlds interpretation, there's an infinite number of universes. And these are different interpretations of the same phenomenon. So it's a a big mystery. It's probably one of the biggest mysteries in physics, but it's a very interesting topic. And and it has some potential implications for for very important things related to metaphysics and our role in the universe. I I think John Wheeler talked about how quantum mechanics kind of proves that we aren't just passive observers. We
0: are we, we are in a participatory universe. We're not just no. behind a glass screen. It, it's, yeah, it, it, well, one, of the thing, one of the things that quantum, uh, yeah, one, one of the things it's done is it, it's really destroyed the idea of, of materialism as, as a rational way to... to
3: you, you can preserve it only through super determinism or the multiverse, which yeah. is why there's certain scientists that really want to push those two interpretations because that's really the only way you can preserve materialism. But the reason I bring this stuff up is because that's the reason that Grush is doing this. In fact, he actually mentions in the hearing, I didn't bring it up in the clips, but he does mention that there's this thing called the holographic principle. That It's not confirmed, but it's a theory that this is how the universe operates. And if that's true, then you could have something where an entity emerges from a, a, another dimension that, that we don't experience within space-time. Because again, so we know that space-time is emergent from a deeper property.
2: Are you saying that this could be us but from the future
3: it's it if this is true yeah. which a huge hurdle right but so like we don't if, have if everything tech tech that grush yet. is saying if everything that grush is saying is true it is theoretically possible he does not say that this is in the documents when he brings this up he mentions this is a theoretical framework that people are, are dabbling in they don't have proof of this they're not convinced of it they're just trying to figure it out and he says this is one potential and, and he leaves it at that right but I just find it interesting that he does bring up some of these things that we do know are uh, kind of at the cutting edge, borderline fringe of physics. But then again, we remember that a century
0: ago, general relativity was considered fringe as well. So it's yeah.
3: just a, it's an interesting st- it's interesting
0: yeah, it's stuff. An, well, Jay Solar this asked whole the episode question. is fringe. Jay Solar asked the question, "Why would aliens uh, advanced spacecraft traveling millions of miles to crash would not they be experts on interstellar travel?" <laughs> so he actually answered <laughs> that. question. <laughs> he, he says, thing, really, Yeah, it, it actually it actually came up, and what he said is is that well, we also have fairly advanced you know uh pilots within our own domain and we still have a certain element of crashing like it it is just it's generally accepted that there will be a certain element of of mission crashes failure. mission failure that takes place um so theoretically you're saying no matter how advanced they
2: came they beamed up somebody's dog cuz it's non-human <laughs> it's it's all automated they beamed up a dog
3: it oh crashes
2: dog's on board it's non-human remains
3: you know what you are playing the role of <laughs> Have you ever watched that interview with Jordan Peterson and that lady from Channel 4? I don't know. No. The original interview. Oh, yes. Famous. Yeah. Yeah. Tina
0: is playing the role. Yeah. So what
3: you're uh, saying. So is. what you're saying. Is. I am
2: definitely playing a role today. <laughs> yes.
0: You know, so, I don't I don't want to hear I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to hear any critiques from a woman that fosters oh that's right i'm talking about you babe from a woman that fosters a heavily matriarchal society where the men are bred for a singular purpose to reproduce and then cast out into the cold and murdered in attempt to preserve resources for the women
2: that's right
0: it's called beekeeping and <laughs> she does it right so yeah. yeah just yeah that'll that'll ruin your whole so we've got one, last one more clip. clip this one's important this is actually really important ogle's has some really
3: great questions and this is the end of it and then we're going to get into the debates which I am I'm, I'm really going to like I
2: feel like we've been debating it Yeah, we on went.
3: and off a little bit but we'll 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 wrap up the right, episode with debating and taking questions
9: in the future um for each of you yes or no question based off of your own experience or the data that you've been privy to is there any indication that these UAPs could be uh, essentially uh, collecting reconnaissance information. Mr. Graves? Yes. Mr. Grush?
6: Fair assessment. Yeah. Mr. That's Fravor? Very possible.
9: Again, in the national security vein, uh, is it possible that these UAPs would be probing our capabilities? Yes or no, Mr. Graves? Yes. Grush? Yes. Fravor? Definitely. Is it possible that these UAPs are testing for vulnerabilities in our current systems?
6: Yes. Yes. Possible.
9: Do you feel, based off of your experience and the information that you've been privy to, that these UAP, U, uh, UAPs uh, provide uh, an existential threat to the national security of the United States? Mr. Graves? Potentially. Yes, sir, potentially.
6: Uh, same answer, potentially. Yeah, I'd say Forever. definitely, potentially.
9: Mr. Graves and Fravor, you know, in the event that your encounters had become hostile, would you have, would, have, would you have had the capability to defend yourself, your crew, your aircraft? Absolutely not sir no is based off of the information that you've been privy to is there any indication that these UAPs are interested in our nuclear technology and capabilities
6: yes Uh, by external observation sure that could be a fair assessment yeah
1: yes
9: is there any indication that Department of Energy is involved in UAP Mm -hmm. data collection and housing
6: I don't have an answer I can't confirm or deny that in a public setting.
9: And could you do it in a, in a secure setting? Yes. Mr. favor? No, I don't know. Mr. Chairman, um, you know I think I'm the last member to go, but there clearly is a threat to the national security of the United States of America. As members of Congress, we have a responsibility to maintain oversight and be aware of these activities so that, if appropriate, we take action. I would encourage the Chairman to demand that we have any and all, but in particular Mr. Grush, uh, talk to us in a SCIF, and if that access is denied, I will personally volunteer to uh, initiate the Holman Rule against any personnel, or any uh, program, or any agency that denies access to Congress. Mr. Chairman, with that, I will yield the remainder of my time to my fellow colleague from Tennessee, Mr. Pause.
0: What do you think of that? Two things that were really uh, very, very relevant and important there. The first one was when he asked the the pilots that, who are, again, were experienced um, military military fighter pilots, one of them, uh, the commander, um Flew an F-18. What, what's important to understand about an F-18 is that there's there's a lot of fighter birds that are not what we call ISR platforms. What ISR is intelligence surveillance reconnaissance. So s- certain fighter aircraft um, are, are very very specific to their role, which is just air interdiction. They're they're designed to shoot down. Um, enemy aircraft. That's that's what they do. They don't do bombings. They don't do you know, in, intel gathering stuff like And F-18 actually has the capacity to be what we call like a FAC A FAC-A bird, right? So it's a forward air controller bird. It can actually monitor multiple different things going on at once. And he's the one that had the experience with the Tic Tac flying. I, I believe I believe it was an F-18. Um, when he was specifically asked, "Does this would either of you who encountered this would you have had the capability to defend yourself or your you know your, your colleagues uh, based off the capabilities they had?" They both said, "Absolutely not." That's concerning. Now, having said that, we don't know what sort of weapon systems were available on the other aircraft or what they saw, so we don't we don't know what that. Uh, what that air to air battle might look like. But what we do know is they felt that the disruption is because they didn't just see it and they just talk about the maneuverability. There was also interference with their own sensors and their own ability to utilize their, their onboard uh, programs in order to identify targets. Um, and and successfully engage with them, had they been so inclined. And so, yes, a- any aircraft which possesses that capability for which the United States government is truly not aware of, or represents some sort of adversarial technology, is, is obviously a concern. and should be investigated. There's, there's, I don't care where it comes from. We don't want to be find ourselves in a position where our pilots feel that they are completely outgunned or outmatched. Um, that that's that's been a part of um, ensuring U.S. military dominance and supremacy for. You know, since we got in the air, that's the first part that was important. And the reason why investigations into UAPs and, and what future developments might be necessary in the United States to be able to, to uh, counteract them. The other one was the Holman rule. And this is what I hinted at in the introduction. What is the Holman Rule? The Holman Rule is a rule in the United States House of Representatives that allows amendments to appropriation legislation that would reduce the salary of or fire specific federal employees or cut a specific program. So the whole question here is when we get into separation of powers and the executive branch tells Congress, we're not going to let you see this program. Now, the protocols, the agreements that have been set up between the legislative and the executive branches is there are still certain people that can be read onto these programs and know that the programs exist. But if the legislature believes that the executive branch is engaging in in operations outside of their oversight and therefore, you know, again, there's a conflict between the role of the executive and the role of the legislature. The Holman rule is Congress utilizing their power the way they were meant to, and that is the power over the purse. And so what they're saying is, is that we want to talk to the people we want to talk to. We'll do it within a secured environment, right? There there may be other negotiations to determine how many members of Congress have access to this information, especially if we end up finding out later or they end up finding out later that, hey, no, turns out this is all skunk work stuff. This is all our technology. The reason why we you know, have this stuff is because it's a disinformation campaign in order to protect U.S you know, aerial dominance, right? There may be those negotiations taking place. But if they don't, or if, or if the executive branch essentially says, no, we're just not going to let you do it. Well, then what Congress does is it says, okay, well, until you do the position for, you know, whatever secretary of defense, right. Or, Or, or they might, they might say these four programs. Now, again, the DOD, if they're being clever, might say, okay, fine, we'll just shift funds from one program to another program. This is why they specifically target salaries, specific federal employees or specific programs, is that it does give them the power to do a a limited, like, we're not going to shut down the entire Department of Defense to get what we want, even though theoretically they could do that, right? They could cut the funding for it. They're saying, we will target all of the programs we think we are associated with this. So if you try to withhold information from us, we're going to cut your funding and your job's gone. Now, that, that is a, a very legitimate function um, for Congress to take, and specifically the House, since all budget bills have to originate in the House, for, for them to be able to push back against executive power. And this is why I say, regardless of what you think about anything else in any of this, Congress, they haven't invoked this rule since 1987. Before that, I think it was the 1930s. Before that, it was like the 18. I, I don't even remember. It was the Gilded Age. Before I mean, that, it, it was th- this has been this has been so long ago that 1876, 1895, 1911, and then uh, 1983. This this is very this has been used very very few times. And for those of you that are that are interested in all the other things that we talk about with respect to the separation of powers, with respect to the competition between the powers. And, and exerting their respective authorities to make sure that there is a balance. This is actually super interesting. So that's why I, I wanted this to be something where we, we brought this up to realize that there, there's a lot of people that get frustrated whenever we hear the, the typical comments coming from politics. Well, there's nothing we can do. Oh, we need this. We need this, this guy just came out and said, I'll invoke the Holman, Holman rule. That is a definite shot across the bow to the executive branch, which says you are going to allow us to meet with these people within a skiff. And if you don't, there will be repercussions that will very specifically and deliberately impact your ability to do operations around this topic.
3: I, I totally agree. And that leads us to the open what is forum it? that we've got here now. What is it? So we've gone through everything. I provided some backstory. We played some clips. We've talked about potential distractions, I, I, My argument is I don't think this is a distraction. I don't think it's a PSYOP. I know that it's very unpopular to say that, especially with a lot of conservatives that have no trust in government. If you are a regular listener to this show, you know I have extremely... Extremely little faith in our institutions. I'm with you on that. (laughs) But I do not think that this is a distraction or a PSYOP from Hunter Biden or Ukraine or anything else. I think this is a legitimate issue worth investigating. The real PSYOP has come from 70 years of the government trying to ingrain in people's minds that if you want to discuss this, you're a lunatic. There, There was something called the Robertson panel and then followed up with the Condon committee that came out in the 50s. I actually had the Wikipedia links for those pulled up. Those were government meetings that talked about how do we stigmatize this phenomenon and make people associate it with, with quackery. Yeah, And they literally talked about in this panel working with, with Hollywood to ingrain UFOs in people's minds as just a figment of their imaginations or something that belongs in sci-fi, not science. Yeah, There, there has been a concerted effort by the government since the 50s to to basically hush up on this question. And then suddenly things change. And now everybody wants to forget the fact that for 70 years, if you talked about UFOs, you were labeled a conspiracy theorist.
0: Well, okay, wait a second. But in all fairness, isn't that largely in in part? So I, I will I will acknowledge and agree with this. I definitely I, I think it makes perfect sense that the government, especially if it's testing its own aircraft, and it's worried about knowledge of that aircraft's capabilities, weapons systems, whatever else getting out into the public. It makes perfect sense for them to set up, because if they're gonna have to continue to test, if there's if there's obviously going to be leakage at some point with respect to either the civilian population learning about it or leaks within the own government, whatever it is, coming up with some sort of Psyop campaign, right, to your point, to say, hey, we're going to we're, we're gonna put this in the realm of little green men. And if you're you're pushing little green man, then you're not credible, and people don't pay attention. That makes sense to me. I'm I'm not I'm not denying that such a thing, you know, would would exist. Um, I don't think it proves your larger point that this is not a distraction.
2: I, I think it's a little bit of wag the alien, and and the only reason <laughs> I say that, um, and I I'm not I'm not saying there's not leg- I think there's legitimate things that need to be discussed and and researched here, and I'm I'm glad that the hearing is happening yeah there's just some things that are a little odd like look how bipartisan this is right
3: it's because people haven't yet been forced into their ideological camps on this that yeah that, the, that, that on, is not it, evidence I, of listen a to of me. a
2: yeah but listen for just one second okay if this hearing had happened while donald trump was president i will tell me christian just tell me What do you think the left, instead of going along with this and being really bipartisan about this, how would the Democrats be questioning people under a Trump administration? They would be saying,
3: you know what they would be saying? They would be saying Donald Trump is lying to the American people and hiding and covering up something. That's exactly what they would be saying.
2: No, they, they'd they That's exactly
3: gone, what they would be saying. They'd do exactly they'd what they did with Space
2: Force. Him. They'd be like, this is ridiculous. Why, we're, why are we doing this under.
3: With David Grush's allegations. This thing's a clown of show. Misappropriation of funds. But that all and happened during. Up, that Hank,
0: all ha- that, that, he,
3: Grush says this has happened under both parties' administrations. Yeah, for, yeah. For decades. But, but
0: specifically, the Article 20. Yeah, that, that. I mean, a lot of this happened under the Trump administration.
3: Well. I as I brought up before this this goes back to the 40s is my whole point. Yeah, this it goes does. back to the 40s. And so the time the timing of them bringing
2: it up now is a little suspect. But they're su- not
3: that is my Tina. Okay, so apparently I'm actually going to be arguing with Tina in this episode, <laughs> not Nick. Nick, jump in whenever you want. But um <laughs> Tina, that is my my point. This did not just happen now. If you were and, and I say you rhetorically here because right, right, right. you actually have been Following me on some of this stuff, but, but if, if you were just paying attention a week ago and you had never heard David garage, you'd never been paying attention to this. You would be thinking naturally, why are they bringing this up right now? My whole entire argument that I was trying to make since almost the beginning of this episode is this is not new. This is not new. This is not a PSYOP. This did not happen last Tuesday. Right. This, and th- yet th- they this chose
2: been, to pull the trigger now. You're just bolstering my argument. I'm, they did not just choose to pull the well, trigger uh,
3: now.
0: So here, here's, the, here's the deal. I, I understand that with David, his first article came out in 2017, right? That was obviously during the Trump administration. Th-
3: that actually wasn't grush. That, that, grush. Those were reporters talking about a secret program to investigate UFOs. That came, grush, grush came, came out in
0: 2017. Grush came out two out sp- months ago. Yeah. So my, my my point with all of this is, is that when you say this has been going on for a while... It's like, okay, what has, because obviously the tic-tac thing was what? 2002, 2004, 2004, 2004. All right. 2004 is when that, that thing took place. All right. I, I, I have a problem with this idea that, that there's been some long continuous stream or operation that's been going on generation after generation obviously one of the accusations he made is that there was a recovery team, right? That was a big part of this is that there was a, there was a UAP recovery team recovery program. You had one that was supposedly crashed like in the 1930s in Italy, the U S came in. He alleges that Roswell was real. Okay. My point is, is that, okay, that that's the allegation. He doesn't have direct personal knowledge of this. It's technically hearsay because he interviewed people. Now it was his job to interview people about these things. Um, but my my problem is this it could have been that the thing in 1937 was you know some sort of experimental craft that you know the germans were doing right it could be that the thing in roswell was some sort of experimental thing that we were doing that's the part where i don't necessarily agree that there's this long connection among all of these things because they fit into a broader category i think that there's certain things that the us government was probably doing as part of our own technological experimentation with aircraft that they were trying to cover up under classified programs. That makes perfect sense. We do that. There's reasons why we do that. There's non-nefarious reasons why we do that. The question I have is is that this happening right now where an inspector general finally, because let's face it, that's why this went into the... I mean, that is new. Nobody, for, for all the claim, for all yes. the Bob Lazars and people like that throughout the
3: years. And yeah. by the way, for every Bob Lazar, there's actually been credible people. I wish that I had compiled a list of quotes from credible people within the government that have claimed throughout the years similar stuff to yeah. Grush. But it is true though for all these people. I mean, they're, they're like former CIA directors and scientists and uh, there are many people that worked within the government yeah. that believe the stuff that Grush has, has believed. But Grush is the first person ever to under oath make these claims and also file
0: a whistleblower complaint. Those things, those two things are new. Sure, but my here's the part that I think is interesting, or or that I think is a little bit suspect. Is that he's the first one to, to file a whistleblower campaign that we know of, right? That doesn't mean he's the first one to ever do it. He's the first one to do it. Where you had a an inspector general. In fact, I'm skeptical so the that
2: inspector I, general approves this thing. Yes,
0: I'm very skeptical that this is the first time an inspector general has gotten one of these. I think it's the first time an inspector general has blessed off on it and said, "Oh my gosh, this is an immediate need uh, of of congressional oversight." Like it, it's it's the push to you know throw this all to the light of the day when that has never been the inclination of the United States government having to do with any of this. Now, the part, where, the part that I will concede to you is that one way or another, things that are being discussed are, are not, again, leave out little green men. Let's just talk about incredible aerial platform capability that, you know, there's, there's some question on its origin. Again, I want to know what that is, right? At least want to know that You know, it's either something we're making or it's something we're developing countermeasures for because I don't like the idea of our pilots ever being in a situation where they feel like if we went up against this, we're toast. Right. That's fair. That's fair. By the same token, the idea that you finally had an inspector general that knew that this guy wasn't just going to come out and say, hey, we've got a lot of these UAPs that we can't explain. And if they're a part of a government program. I, look, I've I have some clearances. I was a part of a lot of secret stuff, and I certainly don't know where it comes from. None of these pilots that I've interviewed know where it comes from, or they're making claims that it comes from, you know, somewhere that's non human intelligence. But to say that, like, no, we got human, non human biologics, dogs, like he knew this was Monkeys. going to. The inspector general knew that this this was going to be an aspect of of the publicity of this, and and I I cannot help but think with everything else going on. That there isn't an element, or there isn't there, there aren't people benefiting from the fact that this is getting more attention than certain other things.
3: Okay, let's. We talk about this in the, in these podcasts all the time about trade offs, right? Yeah. Thomas Sowell is famous for for having a, a phrase that you know in politics you deal with trade offs, not solutions. A- attention is also a, about trade offs. Sure, right. So anything can pop up. Anything, anywhere can pop up and somebody could immediately say, this is a distraction from the thing that I actually care about. You know what what people are saying when they're saying that? What they're admitting is there's things that I care about that I prioritize over other things. And I don't like the fact that there's other stuff in the news that's distracting, pulling, competing for attention with the things that I care about. Here's an example. Everybody who says this is a distraction, what they're really saying is I care about the Hunter Biden stuff and the Ukraine stuff. And I'm upset about the fact that there's other things that are competing for attention oh, with those wait, things. Wait a second! Wait a second! But that is the, that
0: is not a fair representation. That's
3: absolutely what's going on. No! No! No, likewise, no! 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 That's your Democrats opinion of what's could going say. On. You know what Democrats could say. Democrats could say the exact same thing. They could say this is a distraction from the criminal charges that Donald Trump is currently facing right now. And the active investigations in Georgia over the whole voter stuff in 2020 that could result in even more criminal charges being leveled against him. Democrats could say the exact same thing about this being a distraction. Actually, they are
2: saying the exact same thing. (laughs) Um, I just saw an article um, in Culpeper Star Exponent one of our favorite newspapers. Hold on. Talking about Donald Trump, this Donald Trump, that, and I'm telling you what, like there's so much other news and they're still talking about Donald Trump. They're not talking about this. And they're also not talking about, um, uh, the Ukraine stuff. And they're not talking about Hunter Biden. You're, You're never,
0: you're, you're right that any, okay. First of all, you're right that anybody can claim distraction from what's being talked about versus what is not being talked about. The question has to do with proportion, right? So, so, proportion, credibility, a number of other things. So for instance, if you're looking at what is going on right now in the world, so we're, we're about to in, enter the presidential election year cycle, right? This has drastic implications for, for power, both within Congress and the White House. Um, at the same time, we have a number of other things that, that happen to be going on that are not going well for the current administration. So obviously, the stuff that's coming out with Hunter is not good for the current administration. The stuff that's coming out with Joe Biden is not good for the current administration. The stuff that's going on in Ukraine is not good for the current administration. The fact that the second largest donor to the Democrats in the last um, elections, the congressional election cycle, is essentially being let off the hook for campaign finance issues, which were significant. I mean, this this guy this guy lost billions of dollars. And now all of a sudden they're they're sweeping one of the most significant components of that, and that is, he gave a billion dollars to Democrats when they were running. These are significant, and they are timely, and they are relevant.
2: Yeah, they there's right. a reason they have they use, nothing
0: to do with there, these allegations.
2: There is a reason. No, no that's hold on, hold the on. point. Okay, there is a reason why they will dump a whole bunch of information on heavy news days. We all know they do this. When, when big things are happening, happening, they will dump a bunch of stuff, information, so that it gets lost in the news cycle. And I'm telling you, it's not that this isn't a legitimate thing to be covering. It is. It's just there's there's a timing issue that feels a little bit like they're trying to, du- to dump more information into the-
3: I just don't buy it. Okay. I, I yeah. don't buy it. And the reason why is because Birchit brought up in the hearing- how difficult it was to even get this hearing in the first place. They had opposition every step of the way. So for anybody who wants to say this is a distraction, this almost didn't even
0: happen. Any opposite. You know what? You're, you're right. You know why it happened in large part? Because Burchett pushed extremely because hard Because a for member it. of the executive branch blessed off on an inspector general report. That... Okay.
3: Look, so here's what I'm saying. I'm going to repeat again. Democrats are also going out there saying this is, you you, you keep saying, we have all this stuff going on right now that's, that's, you know, hurting Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and Democrats are saying the exact same thing. There's all this stuff going on right now that's hurting Donald Trump. He's facing criminal charges right now. Yeah, but that's been going on- and this is a distraction from the, the from people knowing about the stuff that is Donald Trump faces has been Donald facing Trump.
0: criminal charges for like two years, and we've
3: known about Hunter Biden smoking crack cocaine but we since twenty twenty.
0: We haven't had confidential FBI reports talking about Joe Biden actually being involved in the process. We haven't had people coming out with business partners saying that he was actually involved with with credible with credible evidence. We haven't had we haven't had the forensic uh, the financial forensic evidence actually demonstrating the money was going into accounts that Joe Biden was connected to. I'm loving like, this. I, I'm sorry, but this is, <laughs> you. here's what I will say, Christian, in your defense, in the defense of your position, anybody that says that this is nothing but a distraction, I disagree with. I think there's something relevant here with respect to, again, UAPs having a capability that our own military can't counteract. I think there's something to be said about misallocation of, of funds within the defense budget in order to support programs for which there is little to no congressional oversight. I think there's something to be said, certainly about Congress uh, exerting its own authority within our separation of powers to make sure that they do have proper oversight. All of that is relevant. None of that is a distraction in and of itself, which is to say that it, it is important topics that need to be discussed and for which there should be some degree of public knowledge. Ask yourself this. Wait, wait, no, no. no. Okay, go ahead. So I'm I I just I just agreed with you on, on everything with that. Like I am I am saying anybody that says this is nothing but a psyop and nothing but a distraction. I don't take that position. I'm also not gonna be naive to the fact that the timing of this and when it's being discussed affects a lot of other things. And there were people that were in a position to either green light this going to Congress or stopping it from going to Congress who benefit from it going to Congress. And I'm not going to accept the the reverse, which is to say you saying that any element of this is a distraction is ridiculous and absurd and stupid. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's not totally a distraction, but does it have distractive qualities based off of other things that are going on? It absolutely does.
3: Ask yourself why the New York Times didn't run the story. The debrief had to run the story. The New York Times did not want to run the story. Politico did not want to run the story. The Washington Post did not want to run the story. When Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenfall had this story in hand, they went to those newspapers and wanted to publish it with them. And they said no. No. Nobody can convince me that the Washington Post of all places is not interested in coming up with news stories in order to distract the public from stuff that is is potentially criminal that's playing out within Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's business dealings. The Washington Post and The New York Times have every incentive on the planet because they're basically they're basically paid propaganda for the Democratic Party at this point. Mm-hmm. They have every incentive. They their regime pieces, their their American Pravda's, right? They have every incentive to push anything out there that would distract the public from stuff that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are doing. And they had this story and they did not run with it. Leslie Kane, who wrote the story, has gone out there in multiple interviews and said, we approached the New York Times with this story, and they told us no. Well, the New York Times eventually published the story. They published the 2017 story over five years ago. Okay. They did not publish the story that came out two months ago about David Grush's allegations. Okay. Okay. It had to be some C tier publication that ran with it because these other mainstream pieces did not want anything to do with it.
2: They probably wanted to hold it, until and it was after not Monday. covered
3: by the public until the hearing happened. There were two months I, I, I think, between I the, think, the whistleblower I, complaint and the hearing, where nobody in the mainstream media wanted to touch this with a ten foot pole.
0: I, okay, I, I think that's interesting, but I also think it makes sense for a news agency to wait for the hearing. Ooh, if they wanted a distraction, no, if no, they're motivated
3: no. by 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 trying to. Pull people's attention away from Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. They would have run with this story on day one, and we would have. W- Nick, we know when things come out, and it's just it's all astroturfed. Yeah, sure. we know
0: when things come well, out no, and no, it's I, obvious that I've it's. I've already told you, I don't think this is all astroturfed. What what here's what I don't like. I, I, I feel like you're in it's the mat- all or
2: nothing. Yes, I feel
0: like you're in the Matt Walsh camp here, where it's an either or proposition. I don't think it's an either-or proposition. I think two things can be true at once. I think that this can be both be something that is relevant, um, and I can also be a little bit curious on why all of a sudden it's super popular at the same time all this other stuff is going on, which I think is far more relevant to the discussion right now. than, than Because let me go ahead and make a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction right now. Ready? They're going to go into a skiff they're going to be told that actually this is a part of a, a U.S. government program that does X, Y, or Z. That, yeah, some of these other people that are hostile witnesses and whatnot, because a lot of this information is not going to come out before the public. And so regardless of what's true, this can be drug out or hidden for a very long time. And at any given point, there, there is power within the, the federal government to be able to shut down this discussion or, or to push it off into areas where it's no longer as relevant to the public eye
2: or pull and, it out and, to dangle it again. And then when it,
0: and it's then in good timing two to five years. Everyone remembers this as an interesting hearing that took place on, on Congress.
3: Oh uh, no, I think we're about to find out a lot more stuff true or false because it is obvious that Congress is going to be holding another hearing. Right. Yeah. Ogle's threaten to use the Holman rule
0: if if they if they get blocked having a skiff meeting with Grush in person. Yeah. Somebody okay, just well- said d- dissing Walsh equals mistake. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'll diss whoever I want on this channel, but I will tell you this much: I like my, I like Walsh. I like Walsh. I don't like the attitude that that gets taken where it's like you either have to believe this about these hearings or you got to believe this about these hearings. Again, I think two things can be true at once. I think this can be relevant, right? And I also think there can be a distracting element to it that is that is maybe purposeful. Right. And that's the part where, like, I get I get tired of being told, no, you must think this way, otherwise you're a moron, or otherwise you're a tool, otherwise you're a bot.
3: That's or what I don't I, like. I actually what sympathize if, with that.
2: What if, okay, just hear me out. What if here we go. all this other stuff
3: is a distraction, is a distraction from
2: the aliens that has been the whole time? And here's <laughs> some of my, here, like, hear me out, hear me out. Uh, in 2019. There was storm area 51 and they were going to go and overwhelm area 51. And they probably found stuff. You guys, you know why I think they found stuff. Enter COVID the <laughs> ultimate distraction.
3: Oh we got it. We got to get Satina it on the screen. Tinfoil <laughs> hat. Yeah. She gets
0: the tinfoil hat award for right now. All
3: right. All right. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. If, if, Maybe we'll get to the, the the you know conclusions and and getting some questions from the audience because there were some people who who actually really wanted to get into some discussions about like what are the implications if this is true? Yeah. So yeah. I, I let us let, end with that and then and then by the way, well, audience, the, if you guys the, have any questions, question, I'd love to to get to them in the next like ten to fifteen minutes. Yeah, the question is, up. is
0: what if what is true? Like you know, if is it is it? So for instance, there's a couple of things that could be true here. One could be a total distraction, right? Could be total what? All right. It could be that um, the United States government has been allocating, been allocating uh, enormous amounts of money to off-the-book projects, um, and then has been testing the capability of those projects um, in, in such a way as order, in, in order to determine what the genuine capability is, um, et, et cetera. That, that's a, that's another probability. Uh, another probability is that we have an adversary, um, you know, a human adversary that has developed capabilities and now they're testing it as an ISR platform, right? In in order to gain Intel and and whatnot, because they haven't engaged in any sort of military. Um, The the other option, which I don't, I personally don't, I'm not saying it's impossible. I personally don't think it's very probable is that it's, you know, it's, it's the whole alien technology thing, right? Again, I don't think, I don't think that is probable. You but know, I, you know, I, I'm, but I'm Occam's not. going to argue that I'm that not going to sit here and say it's impossible, right? But A- I A-
3: Occam's Razor would argue that it is actually more probable that it's time traveling humans than it's extraterrestrial aliens because at least you're removing one. I, I, both of them are crazy, but you're you're removing one additional point of craziness from the idea that of all the intelligent yeah. species in the universe,
0: we only know of one, us. I, I think what is I think what is most likely to to happen from this, um, and what is true is I think what, what is going to end up being found, or at least the claim is going to be, and what we're all going to kind of go with in the fu- in the, in the immediate future is they're going to go into a skiff. You're going to have certain members that are able to hear it. What they're going to be told is, is that, yeah, it actually turns out we do have some of these capabilities. We don't make them general knowledge. This is some of the things that we're testing. This is why we do it, et cetera, et cetera. And the next thing you know, this is going to quietly go away or become the stuff of like Roswell and legend and whatnot of people writing books and getting history channel, you know, specials. And
3: I'll say this, if ancient you're aliens ends the, up, you're breaking Christian heart right now, if, Nick, if ancient aliens ends up being correct, I'm going to be so angry. I'm going to, I'm going to be so upset yeah. <laughs> as a historian. Yeah. I'm going to be so
1: mad <laughs> If ancient aliens ends up being
3: proven if to that, be if true. If that one dude, if Lost that one dude, if
1: that that one dude with the, aliens. the hair, yeah. And there, there's no way for the members to talk about what they might have heard in a skiff, right? I uh, no members no. of Congress. Members of Congress can reveal
0: Ooh, if they come out and they no they're, they're they still, can get in trouble. But- well, yeah, okay. In that realm, it's like yes, you can you can talk about whatever you want. Just like you can you know you can eat poisonous plants. You'll just die if you do, right? But the. The thing is, is no members of Congress can't just automatically come out and talk about whatever they heard in a skiff. The whole reason why they do it in a skiff is because there are legal prohibitions of sharing certain information with the general public. That's what the whole classified, you know, realm is, and there is federal law to back that up, which Congress has passed. So, no, a, a congressman can't come out and be like, "Well, the law doesn't apply to me" because I'm a. Con- I mean, I know they do that with like everything else, but they can't do it with. So this why wouldn't they
3: with, I, with without punishment? Well, well, we'll find out. I think actually. In the next year or so, I have a feeling that we're going to find out a lot more about this one way or another. I, I I do think we're at the beginning. Not really the beginning. I think we're actually at the end of the beginning, to quote Churchill. Yeah. But this is not the end of the uh, of the discussion. I think that we're about to find out more because, for example, I'll bring this up at the very end here. Grush is not the only one that's made these allegations now. There's been more people that have come out. Um, there's there's a retired colonel, um, Carl Enel, that came out. Um, and and basically defended Grush. He said that he was beyond reproach, and and he he said that ultimately Grush's argument is is fundamentally correct. Yeah. And Nell has not testified to at least publicly he hasn't, and it it looks like that the next hearing either closed or or, or public is going to include some of these people who Grush says have firsthand knowledge one way or another. So. Stay tuned is what I'm going to say. And, and all that I'm, all that I'm asking is that you keep an open mind to quote representative Garcia, keep an open mind as to all the potential possibilities. We should not be dismissing or immediately accepting something without good evidence. And I think that we're at the beginning of a process of finding some evidence, not the end of it. In fact, I have a feeling maybe when a second hearing comes along or more explosive stuff comes along that maybe when there's more stuff that comes along, we can actually do a more in-depth episode where we actually debate this, not just cover the backstory. Because at least I'd say two-thirds of this episode was a lot of backstory and hearing testimony and not as much debating. But Nick, I I I do want to say I am convinced that the government is hiding something. What that something is. that's easy
0: to be convinced
3: (laughs) of. I don't disagree with that. They're (laughs) misappropriating funds. They they have craft. They absolutely, I'm utterly convinced they have craft. I just don't know who built it.
0: Yeah. So we we got a couple questions from the audience here. One said, uh, Fubar Freak asked, do you believe we are the only light of intelligence in the universe? No, I believe in God. I just I don't know if there's if you mean do I believe that there's other you know mor- mortal entities out there on other planets I, I I don't know I guess my my argument would be is that I I don't I I try to look at things from the standpoint of what what sort of evidence do I have to support a particular theory now I I the the probability component is is the one the argument that I hear most uh, in favor of for the idea of life somewhere else that basically in, in a universe so abundant. Uh, when not it be probable that there would be life some somewhere else and and I certainly understand people thinking that and believing that um, I, I just it's not something I'm really passionate about um, so I, I you know again the answer I would have is I just I just don't know uh, shipbuilding observer question we know more about space than our own oceans so is it not impossible to think that there is species living he said like Aquaman we don't know about so why not consider um, why not consider that a possibility whenever we say we know more about space than we know about our own oceans. We actually
3: know very little about space. Yeah.
0: I, I always like to say, it's like, this is when you put this in kind of like proportional terms, it's, it's space is a lot bigger than our oceans. So there's a lot more to know about space than our oceans, but we don't like proportionally wise. We don't know more about space. Right. um, um so I, I don't know I, I I do think I do think whether or not there's some species we don't know about within our oceans, uh, I mean we're we're always finding new species all, all the time. Whether or not there's some form of like intelligent life uh, within the oceans that would be tantamount to the sort of thing discussion we're having here, like I again I think the probability is very very low. I think it's very well, unlikely. Well, I mean there
2: could be a portal in the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> where the. Tina just went straight ancient
0: aliens for this Core episode. of the Earth
2: aliens release their stuff every so often. <laughs> okay, we get our okay, first
0: sponsor. Um, They're going to watch this and be like, we've made a horrible
3: mistake. <laughs> you need um, to buy your Good Ranchers now no. because we might not.
2: <laughs> Karen brought up a really good um, idea. Let's ask the audience to please type in and tell us I, where I'm, do you I'm, land on this I'm argument? I'm about to put
1: a poll in the chat. Okay. Right.
2: And uh, yeah, because we want to know what do you guys think this is all about? you all just
1: need to
3: vote aliens because you you guys love me in chat Um, (laughs)
2: if if you're with me it's wag the alien if you're with christian it's little green men or time travel which one i
3: have a feeling i'm gonna lose this just because there's so many people that are so skeptical now there's just no faith in government and so everybody's gonna think it's a distraction which by the way if you actually want to to lose people's minds uh, you know what better way to do it than to destroy your credibility than tell people this is real. Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) We have 43 votes so far. 43% saying it's a distraction. 55% needs further investigation. So if you haven't...
0: Wait a second. where did you put us the poll? Look at how close it is.
2: Yeah, he
1: he messed
3: up this
2: poll. Oh my A lot of
1: people are going to say,
0: yeah,
3: we should investigate it. Oh, look
0: at Nicholas Hamilton, Mr. PolitiFact over here. Let me do a poll. Do you agree with me or are you a moron? Nick,
3: the the cash (laughs) payment is under the table you can, you can, <laughs> I, yeah fools, i think yeah. this
2: lets us know exactly where hamilton lies on this debate
3: actually what do you think
0: joke's
1: I, on you hamilton he I'm, paid you an alien I, crypto so, i'm <laughs> curious what here's what hamilton some, thinks here's about some this. really interesting stuff last thursday before we went live nick and christian had an all-out debate about <laughs> this topic and the comment that i made at the time was i found it so interesting that this is probably the first hearing i've ever seen where the representatives were not trying to win political points. Yeah. Um, And I thought that was really interesting regarding this topic. And like we've talked about, it hasn't been politicized yet. Uh, But this has always been a topic that has interested me. I don't care if it's a distraction. I want it to be further investigated. If y'all have an edit to the poll, I could maybe. You, you d- could, d- yeah. D- I, I could
0: like, do a different. You basically didn't make any sort of controversy within that. It's poll. okay. You're winning it now.
3: 51-49 in your <laughs> favor, Nick.
0: <laughs> Question: There are two <laughs> types of DoD R and D: the sword and the shield. If this is ours, how do we use this 23rd century shield with 21st century swords, dude? I am sorry. I don't. I do, I'm gonna be honest. I don't fully understand. Don't fully understand the the question. Apologize. And why'd you read it off? Um, well, because it would give him <laughs> a chance to potentially clarify to something that, you know, I'm, I might be able to answer. Wendy Thompson said, if God created us, what is your thinking that we're the only ones ever created? I think we are w- one of many creations and it would be incredibly arrogant of us to think God only created us. I don't think it's arrogant or not arrogant. I, I just, I don't, I don't know.
1: Um. We're at
0: 50 Question: Even if the government would admit things about aliens and cover-ups, can it do so without completely freaking out the international community? There's a lot of military implications. So, uh, Rocky Top Tom, I, I think that's I-, I think there's two reasons why the government hides information uh, from it. Two general, broad reasons. One has to do with with what you might call uh, legitimate concerns of of either public safety or um, security-oriented technology. Uh, the other is because they think it will benefit them. <laughs> right. I, I it'll it'll add benefit to that. people in, 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 in power. So all that all that to say is that you, you could come up with let's say an um, a quasi ethical reason why the government would say, hey, I'm I'm not gonna give you the blueprints to our, you know, new stealth fighter because well, then it would it would give information to our enemy that would be harmful. Um, there, there's other arguments that I am I'm a little bit more I'm a lot more skeptical of, and that's when the government says we're going to hide information about something because we think it would cause public panic. Um, I, I'm I'm always skeptical when the government does that because I feel like it creates this. Where's the threshold? Uh, and and a lot of times I think it creates this environment where the the government allows itself certain um, certain leeways or, or, or ethical gray areas um, to hide information to people that, that they really should have access to so they can make their own decisions. And, and I think whenever the government treats us all like animals to be herded as opposed to free people that are supposed to be able to make our own decisions based off of information, I think that's problematic. So you know theoretically, could you come up with some sort of extreme example where the government doesn't release information right away because it doesn't have sufficient knowledge and doesn't want to cause panic? Sure. Uh, but but overall, I'm I'm always skeptical when when the government says, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna hide all this from you for your own good." Uh, I I will say that if it is true
3: that you know these things aren't ours, right? That there's some form of non-human intelligence, it does not seem like that they're hostile to us. It seems like they're more curious than 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 uh, hostile.
2: That's only if you don't subscribe to the idea that they have been using us.
3: <laughs> there you go, <goes, laughs> Tina. God.
1: That's why we have the tin foil <laughs> in front of her. One, one thing that They've
2: I, been using us as human suits. They've been swapping us out. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. One, thi- one thing that I do want to bring up, precious <laughs> and, and,
0: and this is when we lost all our sponsors.
1: <laughs> go ahead, Hamilton. Christian, you might know more about this, but I find it really interesting that on the same day of this hearing – Um, there was an an announcement with a physics discovery. And a guy named Alex Kaplan said, today might have been the biggest physics discovery of my lifetime. I don't think people fully grasp the implications of an ambient temperature pressure superconductor. Here's how it could totally change your lives. And there's a lot in this Twitter thread, but essentially um, it would allow superconductors or materials that could conduct electricity with zero resistance. And this could like, Pretty much revolutionized travel trains. It could enable if this is actually true, and it's been um, checked out, like floating train travel, like trains that float above tracks. And I think it's just really interesting that these two things happened on the same day. Well, Tina's okay, still so cracking up over. You here. want to talk
3: about conspiracy theories? Maybe, maybe Tina already believes this since she jumped the shark. But um <laughs> one of the theories, and I'm not endorsing it. I'm just going to say it though. One of the theories is that. Some of our really high-tech stuff that have come out over the past decades is reversed-engineered non-human or alien technology that have made their way into our daily lives yeah, I've seen Terminator I know how this because works. because
2: the aliens are swapping out people at <laughs> high <my laughs> levels and if you look at these oh videos very closely you can see them blink twice in opposite directions
3: oh you remember remember the, the <laughs> clips of that woman on the airplane
1: yes that
0: MF
3: ain't yeah. real <laughs> oh, all right so
0: Bandit 40 bandit 848 I I've got to keep I got to keep Answering questions before <laughs> Tina talks some more. All right, question. He goes, shield is defense, stealth, advance, radar, swords uh, would be missiles and guns. The question is, it doesn't seem like a weapons platform. Okay, that's so I understood the shield and, and sword reference. I wasn't sure about the 21st versus 23rd century. So I, I, apparently what he's saying, I, I think the question is, and Bannon correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the idea that this doesn't seem like a, what we've seen so far with like the Tic Tac videos and whatnot, assuming this is, you know, Again, just an aerial platform. It doesn't seem like it has offensive capability. It seems to be more uh, perhaps defensive or, uh, again, I would say ISR, the Intelligence Surveillance um, Reconnaissance Component. And the idea is, is um, you know – there's this dichotomy between you can create certain systems specifically for defense. And then you can also use the technology for offensive capabilities too. what, what would that look like? I I don't know. Like the, I think one of the interesting things that was brought up and what Hamilton was talking about was this whole idea of the breakthrough in physics. If you actually have a, a vehicle that is capable of moving at these speeds um, with the agility that it has right to like, just stop and like instantly change direction with no discernible heat signature, that's incredible um I mean that really is incredible for for propulsion technology and and it would have implications beyond just the craft itself right you could imagine that being used as in in weapon systems as well storing of energy yeah well, I, I think I'll, I'll, of like well, commercial but, uses. but but specifically specifically demand its question right it's the whole the the defensive capability versus offensive capability and so I, I would say if, if you ha- if if we have actually developed that sort of um, capability yeah it's gonna <laughs> it, it's going to wreak havoc because so, so much of defensive capabilities are relying upon sensors and early warning. And if you have something that the technology itself is being used um, to be able to shut down those sensors, of, I, I would argue that is an offensive capability, even if it isn't kinetic in the sense that you're destroying or you're blowing something up. All righty. All right. I think we're going to, I think we're going to wrap this up. So um, this is a great episode. <laughs>
1: Christian, thank you very much for all the work and research you. Put you into did. This. You put a
0: lot in. You put a lot into this. Um, all, all right, Christian, do you want to give your your? You have two minutes. Hamilton <laughs> two. put two minutes on the board. He has two minutes to do his parting shot, and I didn't give him advance notice that he would get to do this. if he only have two minutes to do it, but we're gonna do it. So, all right, two minutes. All
3: right. So, um, first off, thanks for. Having this episode, guys, like I, I, I joked for months, even before the David Grush stuff. Like, oh, we should do a UFO episode. <laughs> Joking, not, not ever expecting it to actually happen. It became like a, a meme in the office here, and then the Grush stuff happened, and and then one thing led to another. We got the hearing, and we actually had a reason to do it. I think this has been a very productive episode. We covered a lot of ground here. I, I, you know, briefly talked about the past. This has been going on since the 40s. The sightings have been going on longer than that. Um, You know, we talked about Grusher's allegations. We talked about the hearing. We watched some really interesting clips. And then we had a discussion about, you know, whether or not this is true and what are the implications. I do think that we're at the beginning of a discussion on this, not the end of it. Maybe we're at the end of the beginning. But this is a topic that if more stuff comes out in the future, I would very much be interested in doing a follow-up. Not in any time soon. It could be months from now, right? But... When the time comes that it might be worth having another discussion on this, I'd love to, you know, we've already covered the background, right? I'd love to do another, like, just straight up debate over this because there's some really important stuff here that Grush brought up that's worth considering in the future about misappropriation of funds, potential physical threats and violence, like some crazy stuff, even beyond the more outlandish stuff about craft and alien bodies and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a topic that I think has a lot of people's attention for good or for ill. I'm not actually really worried about these things being hostile to us. I don't think they've exhibited, you know, cases of hostility, but I, I think it's worth investigating. I think it's worth keeping an open mind and, and we should just see where the science leads us. Forget about little green men. Just investigate it and see where it leads us, and 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 think about it being a topic worthy of its own discussion, not as a distraction. Ten seconds.
0: All right, we are definitely not going to give Tina two minutes because we are terrified.
2: Christian of what she was might doing have the said. follow the science method. Did if we do about? do a follow
1: up on this, Christian, you and I could do a live stream on the MTA channel at some point without Nick and Tina. I'd so love can- to. You know, another thing that I'd love to talk about. We briefly mentioned it on this episode about
3: things related to quantum mechanics and the holographic principle. Yes. This is yes. stuff that I watch YouTube videos on this and I actually read I'm a I'm such a nerd. I will actually read white papers published in and in like scientific journals on this stuff because I find it so fascinating. Quantum theory is
1: a fascinating conversation.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. So some somebody got upset that we didn't answer their question or ignored them. All I can tell you is that a lot of questions come up and we're all trying to watch our screens as we're talking like that. So if we sometimes we miss questions, it's we're not we're not we're not usually trying to be it's not typically nefarious. on purpose. Um, here, here's what I'll say on, on kind of my wrap up on this I, again.
2: Oh, I I don't get to say what I think.
0: Absolutely not. This is <laughs> 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 we are all, we're all scared of what. All right, Tina, go ahead.
2: Lizard people. Okay, God. Humans. <laughs> <laughs> humans- <laughs> It's we wagging. should have been
3: debating Tina this whole episode. I'm the middle ground here. You know what this is? This is the Constitutional Convention. She's Alexander Hamilton coming out with the, with the outlandish proposal that everybody's like, that's nuts. And then and then Madison comes along with, you know, you should take my proposal. It's the, Christian's it's the eating moderate up my middle time. ground.
2: He's eating up my time. I'm just going to say, actually, I... I think that it's super convenient that it came out when it did, and I think it's a bit of Wag the Alien. <laughs> and I'm of course making jokes about lizard people in human suits, but I mean that's just kind of where I'm at with this at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, uh, Krista asked question: What about spiritual deception, the um, crafts, and no human biologicals, fallen angels? I, I don't. I, I know that's one of the things that's being discussed right now. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I guess I just don't have anything. Jim Ross said, uncomprehendable fleeing object. (laughs) That's the UFO. Uh, no, thank you very much uh, for your, uh, for your donation there, Jim. Um, okay. Here's, here's my wrap up. I get two minutes too. Here's all I'm going to say. I think two things can be true at once. I think there was things that were discussed in here that are, that are interesting and, and are actually worthy of congressional oversight. I think some of it does need to be at least in a classified environment because I think the most, I think most probable course of action is that we're going to find out that the U S military or the defense industry has actually been working on, on, um, aerial platforms, propulsion systems and things like that. And, and, you know, sensory interference, which is far more advanced than what we have in, in regular circulation, which is a lot of times how these things work. Um, I think a lot of it has probably been paid for off books and that's probably part of trying to preserve the, the secrecy of, of the materials. And we can have a larger debate on, on when that, you know, you could theoretically make an ethical argument for where you think it might be appropriate or inappropriate. I think the other thing that was really interesting to me about this is that I did feel as if it was one of the only congressional hearings I've ever watched where I didn't feel like there was just this overriding partisan hostility toward everything, and that actually made it interesting to watch. I wish that could be applied toward other topics. Uh, the third thing I'll say is that I, I do believe that the timing of a lot of this is convenient. So I, I agree with Tina, Tina on that, but I will say this. Uh, when something the best way to actually cause a distraction is, is with something that is relevant it's not something that is is totally off the wall you do it with something that is relevant and here's all i would ask is regardless of where you fall in this situation uh, use your critical thinking across the board so you can look at some of the things that came out in this series and say that's interesting that's worthy of, of further information you should also ask yourself how relevant is it to what you're doing or what you can affect in the near term i, I think what is going on right now with with the Bidens, I think what is going on with defense spending in Ukraine. I think what is going on with Sam Bankman fried I think all of those things are far more relevant to an upcoming election cycle, which is going to determine who holds power in this country, which will inevitably affect whether or not you're actually going to get hearings on things like this or actually get to the bottom of anything. So that's what I would ask people like in the midst of looking at this, don't be distracted. Whether you think it's a distraction, we think it's not. Don't be distracted from some of the other things that are going on right now that are highly relevant to, to the future course of this country's political leadership. And, and the things that we have coming out about Joe Biden right now are pretty horrendous. And and the the evidence is mounting and it deserves our attention. So to everyone that you know didn't want this episode, I thank you for for hopefully watching anyways and, and adding some input. I think it was a worthy discussion for everyone that did want this episode. Aliens are not going to be a common theme. I'm just telling you, it's not what we do here. All right. Every once in a while, we will, we will play Kate Christian. We will certainly, uh, you know, again, help out with our audience. For any of you that are wondering about this, we did go into our community chat, which you can find in circle. We have the links uh, on our page. And when we asked, we asked our audience, Hey, we want to be respectful of the people that, that stay here, that show up, that watch, that ask questions, that donate. Is this a topic you think would be interesting? And, uh, I will say a significant majority said that yes, there was a couple of people that were a little skeptical but they, haters. but they said as long as we made it as long as we either made it funny or, or we actually talked about some of the implications of this. And I hope I hope that we actually did do that. Tina was I was here for the funny. Definitely in charge of the comic relief for the episode. And then finally, finally, if you stuck around for this long, then I'm gonna make it all worth your while right now. And that's because you can get $30 off your next order from Good Ranchers with free shipping, okay, if you use promo code NIC. Go to Good Ranchers. We have the links. Go to Good Ranchers. You get $30 off free shipping. And I don't care where you stand. One thing we should all agree on is that good meat should definitely be a priority for this country, and Good Ranchers is helping make sure that it is a priority for America and our audience. So once again, thank you all for joining us for this episode. Thank you for your comments, and we will see you next episode coming up this Thursday.